This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Damn it, Jags. Way to ruin my holiday season. Gosh. I can't sugarcoat it anymore, man. I'm in a bad mood. I was ticked off. And it's all selfishly related. I've been doing this for 12 years around here. 12 years. And we've had one year in November and December that have been meaningful. I'll actually give your rookie year meaningful nature. 2010. All right? Appreciate that. Eight and five. That was kind of fun. And then you guys choked. We're in the playoff hunt. But after that, there's been nothing. So I'll say two out of 12 years in November and December are miserable. Mm. And now with social media, I got to live through fire everybody, get rid of everybody. We're never going to be good. We're Jacksonville. Yeah. These are the Jags. And you know what? They're probably right. That's, so that, That's the biggest point, Brent. Is uh, they're probably right, aren't they? I went to lunch with my family today, and Kaylee asked if we could move. Oh, jeez, it's that bad. I'm not kidding. Kids going out of town. She said, I want to root for a team that's going to win. Well, to try being in Cleveland for the past two decades and see how that treats you. Well, we're not moving to Cleveland. Okay, there you go. So I asked her where she wants to go. She said maybe Baltimore. <laughs> the power of Lamar this might, Jackson. This might make you feel good, though. So I was out. I come home and I asked my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, how are the Jags doing? She says, they're going to lose the game. And this is like at halftime. And I'm like, why is that? She's like... They have over 100 rushing yards. Brent said if they go over 100 rushing yards, the Jags are going to lose. So at least my girlfriend's listening. There you go, Nicole. I love you. I'll tell you what, man. There is nothing more frustrating than watching that game in a car when you're driving back from Kentucky. And my kind wife was driving for me so I could analyze the game and everything. But there is nothing more frustrating than being in that car and wanting to just weave a tapestry of curse words that I can't because Uh, my son is in the back wondering why aren't the Jaguars winning, and I want to tell him, I mean, son, where where, where do I start? You know, And I'm trying to say it as calm as possible, but uh, it it, it was not good. It's it's not good, and there's a lot of things to talk about. It was just an awful day, really, if you think about it. Again, this is all about me right now, and I do my picks, and I'm leading the pool by a couple of games. And we just picked six games a week, and I've got the Chicago freaking Bears who can't kick a field goal and then don't even try to run a field goal. And then on top of that, my night ends with Jalen Ramsey being interviewed like he picked the ball off three times. Mm. I mean, come on. He finally had a pass defense in the first time in a month, and they interview him on NBC after that. Are what, we the bringing emotion into this, Brent? Are we bringing emotion back in the show here? I knew that. I figured, I figured, Ramsey, go, I figured Ramsey was going to go for three picks the way that day was going. He's not here anymore. It's going to be okay. And he did take a dig, by the way, at Jacksonville, as he and Allen Robinson said are in better spots and good positions. I'm not so sure Allen Robinson feels that way because his quarterback sucks. Yeah, but at least I think for the future going forward, there's some stuff in place. Right now, I look at this Jaguars team, and I don't know. I don't know where where you'd start, Brent. I mean, I kind of know where you'd start, and I want to break it down because I'll be honest. I was supposed to do my three observations from the game, and I I didn't do it for two reasons. Number one, because I was so frustrated watching that game. I didn't really want to get on and just speak negative because I want to let my emotions subside a little bit before I come at this conversation, um, you know, calm and collected. But number two, we also didn't have a lot of service, and I kind of need Wi-Fi to upload it to YouTube. So it wasn't going to happen anyways. Yeah, we'll get into your accolades a little bit later, but I'm not starting there. I'm too angry. Oh, no, I'm not talking about that. Uh, The... I know, but okay. I want to at least salute you. For <laughs> That's that. not a big deal, man. But it's all uh, good. I've got two overall thoughts here. 
uh, really a third. The Jaguars had everything in front of them. And what I can't stop looking at is the standings in the playoff race and the way the AFC is. Because let's just take the AFC South, for example. We knew these two weeks were huge. Like, you could go back to April. I remember doing a report at the wall that says it all with the schedule that was just released in April. And we looked and said, Houston and London at Indianapolis at Tennessee. A sure. three-week stretch with a bye mixed in. This will make or break the season. Said it in April. Well, when we got to this point, it was 4-4 four and four for the Jaguars going to London against Houston, a critical game. They were awful. They lose. Yet, with all that going on, they have a chance against Indianapolis, where if you just come with me for a second and look at the standings the way they are with Indy and Houston now 6-4, and four, Titans 5-5, five and five and the Jags 4-6, and six, and then everybody else bottled up in, at 6-4 and four and 5-5, five and five, pretty much in the chase for the wild card. If you come with me there and just imagine for a moment, just imagine for a second, like you have Disney Plus or something, okay, uh, that the Jaguars won that football game. And they now are 5-5 five and five, along with the Colts and the Titans, and Houston sits at 6-4. and four. How different this would be, how different this would feel. So basically, even if they just won one of these two games the last couple weeks, they'd be right in it. Now it feels like they're 2-8 and eight and have no chance. And it's not true that they don't have a chance, but we saw what they looked like the last two weeks. They have no chance. They're not a good football team. What they've proved to me over the last two weeks is they're not a good football team. So it starts there. Then my other prevailing thought is Doug Marone. And while everybody wants to fire everybody, I'm not getting to fire everybody time. It's only mid-November. And every time somebody loses, it's fire everybody. And Mm. you might be right. And by the way, the way this is tracking, they are going to fire everybody. We knew that would be the case. If they don't make the playoffs or if they're not looking at least good going toward the end of the year, they will fire everybody. We can talk about it. But that's not my thought on Doug Marone on this Monday. My thought instead was he did everything in his power to cater to the players, to... Make sure they were healthy. Make sure they were fresh. Make sure they didn't hammer them in training camp. Hardly played them in preseason games. All these things, and we applauded through four and four. Nice job, Doug, by keeping this thing afloat, even though you lost your quarterback and and all these things, and now you're coming out of the bye and you're healthy. We applaud all these things. And the players, how do they respond? They can't Mm, make a tackle. No, stop. They they give everything up. They give 264 yards up of rushing. Oh, no, you're going to talk about coaching. Stop. Taven Bryant, fall on the football, and players stop a third and 19, and that game might be different. That's a coaching thing? Fall on the football when you get a If we want to talk about players, I'm going to call it Avery Jones. I'm going to call it Taven Bryant. I'm going to call it Miles Jack. I'm going to call it both safeties. I'm going to call it both corners on defense. And then I'm probably going to have to call it Clayus Campbell for missing the tackle towards the goal line. I'm going to call it the entire defense. And if we're calling everybody out, then I'm going to call it Nick Foles. I'm going to call it Leonard Fournette. And I'm going to call everybody on the offense out. So, yeah, let's go ahead and call every single player in that locker room out. And let's just say, for the instance, that the coaches were right and the culture is right and everything. So it's every player on that team's fault but it's not the coach's fault i got a question for you if i was to say the dallas cowboys the buffalo bills indianapolis colts new england patriots san francisco 49ers baltimore ravens pittsburgh steelers what would you say pretty solid teams could make the playoffs could make the playoffs what all those teams have in common do you know they're tough they're tough, and they've all won after their bye week. Do you know why? Because they have good cultures in place. Or they didn't play in London because nobody who played in London won after their bye week. Okay, well, there you go, too. I'm just talking about the culture right now, Brent, because 
we can go ahead and blame the players all you want. But for to have the whole team play like they did, that's not on the players, man. That's all on coaching. Do you want to know what kind of team you have? Watch how that team comes out after a bye week because guys go on vacation. Guys take some time off. It's the coach's job to wrangle them up and get them motivated to play. I didn't see a motivated Jacksonville Jaguars play against Indianapolis. And we can sit here and say, well, Taven Bryant should have made this play. Yes, he absolutely should have dove on that football. There should have been a lot of plays made in the field, but the difference is, is that there weren't plays made in the field. No. And, and it's entire, None. and it's entire, it's an entire team collective. It's not just one guy. It was literally the entire team. Even I mean, the kicker. I guess I'd argue maybe DJ Chark. I would say DJ had, the, the had, only had a flawless one. game. Maybe, I don't, did Yannick play good? Overall, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So Yannick played pretty well. I thought in the run game a little bit he let up a little bit, but overall Yannick played well. But two guys, Brent. That's it. Um, That's all I can team. think of. I might be stretching yeah. it. So, so you know what that tells me? No, I, I, I'm not going to point the finger at the players and go ahead and call me biased all you want. That's fine. Oh no, but, you're like everybody else. Everybody uh, likes to point the finger at the coaches. Okay, well maybe it does fall on the coaches then. Maybe it does fall on the guys that are required to get a team ready, and that team that performed this past Sunday. Was not ready. Well, and listen, this is I wasn't completely done with my thought because here the, here's what happened early in the year. Doug Marone said this plan is either going to work and I look like a genius mm. or I look like a dumbass. Mm. And right now he looks dumb because he changed his whole philosophy of being tough, and that leads into my third part of this, my third overall thing. And and don't get me wrong here, former player, because <laughs> I would never do this, and you know I respect the heck out of guys that play this game. It is not the S word. But the Jaguars are a finesse football team. Okay. There's a difference between being S-word and being finesse and punching you in the mouth. And when they play a team that wants to punch you in the mouth, they do not do well. Carolina, Indianapolis, most of the time Tennessee. They did fine here in this one on that Thursday night. But most of the time Tennessee. When you get that kind of football team, and you know what I'm saying, there's a difference between those kind of mm-hmm. teams. And then there are some teams that are okay playing finesse style. Kansas City's a finesse team. Yeah, but they're, they're not good on defense. They're not good on defense, <laughs> yeah. but they'll outscore. You know, yeah, but no, I'm, sure. saying, I'm not just talking defense either. The whole I'm team. talking the offense, too. Sure. And I'm talking the offensive line that couldn't block hardly anybody yesterday and that you don't have the men. You go into that football game thinking, we can't beat you because we're not tough enough. We're not physical enough, so we have the second or third leading rusher in the AFC, but we don't think we can run the football against you, so we're going to throw it 47 times and run it nine times mm-hmm. with one of the best backs in the NFL in 2019. You know why? Because we just don't feel like we're tough enough. I mean, to me, that is on the coaching. That is on the way this whole thing shook out, because that's not how kind of Doug Marone does business usually mm-hmm. and we said that countless times this was a reversal of doug marone that tough guy offensive line guy he flipped it around for the players and that's where i say the players didn't pay him back they haven't this was mm-hmm. the time to pay him back for the players and they didn't you know they were they were all over doug loving doug all that kind of stuff up until now because they're four and six and it didn't pay off for him so it blew up in his face these last two weeks. This was the critical stretch of the season. Everything they tried to do, be healthy and all this stuff, they just played a team that looked like a fourth preseason game roster when it comes to guys on the outside at wide receiver and guys in their defensive backfield, and the Jags just got crushed by that fourth preseason roster, preseason yeah. game roster mm-hmm. uh, yesterday in a game that was critical to their success. And so... I don't necessarily disagree with you. I do think it comes back to that whole philosophy. It blew up in his face. It was wrong, and now it's not working, and pretty much the Jags are done. Yeah, there you go, man. You pretty much said that. Pretty much the Jags are done. And listen, there's a lot of things to talk about. 
one of my biggest takeaways, and I get it. I mean, people want to jump the gun on Foles now and say, get him out of there. I was one that wanted to play Minshew. I'm not going to say I told you so because, let's be honest, I'm not sure how Minshew would have did against the Colts in general with that kind of game plan. But the game script on offense, John Filippo's plan against the Colts was obvious. He was going to beat you with Nick Foles. Nick Foles didn't get the job done. Not the offensive line run blocking. Not Leonard Fournette, who's one of the best backs in the league. The plan was to let Nick Foles beat the Annapolis Colts because they had confidence in him. My question to John Filippo. They took two weeks to try to figure that out, by the way. My question to John Filippo is, if that was the game plan, you're going to let Foles you know, try to beat the Colts? Where was that game plan with Gardner Minshew then when he was trying to audition for the starting quarterback spot? Why Why didn't you put the ball directly in Houston, against the Houston Texans? Why didn't you put the ball in you know, Minshew's hands and see if he can handle it or not? Because what you did was you ran the ball you know, religiously in the first half, got stuffed, and then all of a sudden you had to rely on Gardner Minshew in the second half to get garbage time, and obviously he made some mistakes. But my point is, so you, you didn't have that much confidence in Minshew when he showed you a lot, but you're going to have supreme confidence in Nick Foles now going forward? Good luck with that. Yeah, it didn't work, uh, and it was a terrible game plan. It was just an awful game plan, and we have applauded John Filippo a lot this year. Oh, I, Ben, I, I've been a the lot. first guy leading that campaign. I yeah. said he's done a fantastic job. But yesterday reminded me of why him and Mike Zimmer didn't get along in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I can't imagine this sits well with a guy who likes to run the football and Doug Marone. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this this is it was an, it reminded me of the London game last year when they threw with Blake Bortles 30 times in a row with Nathaniel Hackett. And that was the beginning of the end yeah. for Nathaniel Hackett. It, you know, Todd Wash is getting crushed today. Probably should. You can't give up three games in the oh, NFL well, at 200 plus yards. I haven't started with him yet. I got nothing to say about him as well. But John D. Filippo probably not getting crushed enough for 47 and nine. 47 and 9. 47 passes and 9 attempts. Are you kidding me? In a game that was 10 to 7 at halftime. It says a lot. 10 to 7. And it says a lot what he thinks about the offensive line then. If you're only going to run the ball 9 times a game, what do you think if you're an offensive lineman right now? I got a question for you about game plans, and yeah, we'll talk about the defense. Your calls are welcome. Star Star 690-904-362-9901. It's all on the way on a miserable Monday on ESPN 690. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, second drive, we went down, and we were able to execute a play that, uh, you know, D.J. did a nice job of running his route and, you know, getting the ball in the end zone. Um, and then after that, you know, we weren't – we did, we just didn't execute. Um, you know, they – obviously, Indianapolis Colts played a great game today. Their defense did a nice job on us. Um, you know, it's as simple as we're going to watch the film, we're going to critique ourselves, we're going to improve, and we're going to do all that in the next 24 hours, and then we're going to move on because, you know, that's life and that's football and that's just sort of how how it goes. Oh, they live in a different world from us. That's Nick Foles. And uh, they got to say it. I get it. Uh, I know it. You got to stay tight in there and, and keep everything in the walls and, and, and you're a professional and all that stuff. I, I understand that. So uh, while other people will hammer Nick Foles' postgame press conference and I, I'm just not doing that. I mean, what else are these guys supposed to say? You know, I thought Calais Campbell, you'll hear from him a little bit later. I thought he was a little bit more poignant in in his thoughts. Uh, Doug Marone, I think, was a little bit more pointed in his thoughts at times yesterday after the game. But uh, you know, there's there's so much uh, to, to get into here. The crazy thing is the Jaguars took the lead. You know, I, I think the big deal, we said this a little bit, can he dictate play, right? And in the second series, that first one got derailed by a hold. Second series, they go down and, and make some plays, and DJ Chark catches a touchdown pass. You got a 7 nothing lead on the road. I mean, I'm feeling good right now, man. Mm-hmm. Like, the Colts are not that good. 
Like, they're just not that good. Jacoby Brissett's a guy. Yeah. He's a guy. That's it. Their receivers are, are, I mean, Marcel Robinson, he says he has great hands. He might have been able to play for Indianapolis yesterday instead of shoot that game in Indianapolis. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. who was playing. They had all undrafted guys. And Marlon Mack, uh, I mean, it, nice job. But their offensive line is good. We knew that. Yeah, and that course. was it. So they, and everybody knows that. And I guess that's the tell, right? When everybody knows what you're going to do and you're able to do it, Oh, boy. And you're able to do it with these. But one thing that really bothers me about this football team over the years, and this can go all the way back even to the Gus days with this defense, and it might be why I'm a little tired. of the. I'm, I'm even now on board with, okay, the scheme, uh, I could use a change in my life in the scheme. <laughs> sure. But the, when you take the lead or when the Jags offense has struggled so much over the years, but when you actually show something on offense – I'm going to go back and research this. How many times after the Jaguars have scored, Mm -hmm. the Jags' defense has allowed the other team to go right down the field and score? And they just can't keep the little momentum that this offense sometimes can gather. You want to play from ahead. They gave you the lead. And then you just let Marlon Mack go down for 61 yards, and the touchdown run was ridiculous. Not that it was ridiculous in talent, and I'll give them a... You know, a hat tip. It was ridiculous and not stopping it more than anything else. Guys with no gap discipline, guys missing tackles. Just it, it, it was Carolina times ten. Because with all due respect to Marlon Mack, I think he's a decent running back. He's got a, a fantastic offensive line. We talked about that the entire week leading up to this game. But he ain't Christian McCaffrey. And me personally, I'm tired of seeing running backs play the Jaguars and make an entire highlight film of the season. Just on one game. Dude, Jonathan Williams had one yard coming into the year. I don't coming know into John, the hey, game. Brent, I don't know who Jonathan I don't Williams either, is. But I think that's his name. As bad as that sounds. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, one he had a great yard. Game. Yeah. One yard. Mm-hmm. That's embarrassing. I mean, that is embarrassing. It's hard to be a Jags defender today, and we're going to get into the coaches and all that yeah. stuff. But we have some folks on the line, and we always welcome your call. Star, star, six, ninety nine Ryan uh, jumped in, wants to talk to Nick Foles a little bit. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I just want to give you three points on how this all started early on. Number one, we gave a backup quarterback $88 million. Number two, we gave Miles Jack an extension before Yannick and Ramsey, which is mind-blowing. And then you got Nick Foles in the press conference acting like he didn't even care. If that was Gardner Minshew, he would be heated. Gardner Minshew should start for this team, and this front office needs to go. I, I just had it with it, and that's, that's all I got to say. All right, thanks, Ryan. You thanks brought up some points man. that will bring up segments uh, on the show oh, today, sure. of course. But uh, the the one thing I, I do want to be a bit careful of, because I want to at least try to be calm, cool, and collected here, and, and even though I'm, I'm even a little pissed off at the Jags, again, more selfishly because this next six weeks is going to suck now in Jacksonville like it usually does. But uh, I'm just uh, – I, I, I get what you're saying about Foles, and you might be right about Foles. Mm. This was one game on Nick Foles. I mean, this was one Whoa. game. I'm, I, I'm just a little tentative. I'm getting crazy on the Nick Foles front in one game. Is that fair or unfair? I mean, may, maybe I should be all over him. No, I mean, because we want to talk about, well, he was rusty, right? I mean, he, he, looked, he, rusty. Say he looked rusty. I thought the but Jags offense my... looked slow, man. Yeah, slow and but, old with Foles out there. Yeah, I really did. But here's my problem, though. They had the bye week. We thought they were going to open up the playbook a little more and really unleash Foles to the world because he's worked with John Filippo before. This isn't Foles' first rodeo, though, of, you know, quote-unquote being rusty or not being in the game a lot yeah, because yeah. this is a guy who's been a backup pretty much his entire life. And we've so, applauded the last two years coming in cold. Exactly. Right? So he, he's come in cold how many times and performed well? 
Well, that was a horrible game yesterday. And I, if you look at his stats, well, it wasn't that bad, right? Well, no, because a lot of that was garbage time. If you want to say Foles had a good game yesterday, then go and say Blake Bortles had a game a couple, a good game a couple years ago yeah. when the Jaguars were really stinking. If you got to throw 47 times, throw for 400 yards, yeah. and then I'll give you a good game. So, Anybody throws for 300 yards if you're throwing 47 times. But to, to try to, you know, get back to the point of the caller, though, saying that, you know, he's a backup quarterback for $88 million. Yes and no, because at the time, I think we all agreed, or at least I and I, I think you did as well, where it was the best option. You were going to go draft Haskins, because guess what? Haskins right now isn't playing that well in the NFL. Okay, so how confident would you be with Dwayne Haskins right now as your starting quarterback? Yeah, and tell on yourself a little bit, because there's a lot of people that call, listen, whatever, around draft time that wanted Haskins. Yeah, so there they you go. Did. You're and Haskins Joe doesn't look like he's going anywhere. Spoiler alert, Joe Flacco, probably not the answer either, right? So the options were kind of... You know, they weren't there. I mean, you didn't have too many options to go after. I think the Jaguars at the time went after the best option. Now, will it pay dividends? We still don't know because we haven't seen a big enough sample size yet for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But despite that sample size, Brent, we have another option now in Gardner Minshew. That came out of nowhere. So there's always that in the back pocket, too. Yeah, I think there's so many more pressing things than the Foles thing right now at the immediate. I I just I think that we need a bigger sample. And you guys, you might be right. Yeah, everybody says the Foles thing and play Minshew. You might be right. But I saw Minshew play horribly in a game they needed to win against Houston last time. I scored three points. Mm -hmm. This offense has essentially scored 10 points in the last two games in must win situations. The difference is at least Minshew was moving the ball up and down. Mm -hmm. But they also handed the damn ball off to the running back. And a lot of folks did say when we said who else didn't, like, everybody played bad, said, well, Fournette hardly even played, so how can you say he played bad? But he had 2.8 yards per rushing, so that's not good in my book. I, I, it's not. I mean, I thought, he was, I thought actually thought he was dancing a little bit and not really well, going downhill at times, it, but it wasn't enough of a sample. I'm not killing Fournette today. Give him the ball. I want him to get no, the ball. For sure. By all means, give him the rock, but hey, you, you had, what, seven, eight chances to run the ball, and you're averaging 2.8 for a carry. That's not good. I mean, I don't care... If your offensive line wasn't blocking well, if the holes you didn't see them, whatever the case is, 2.8 is not good. That's no. not good for any football team. So don't tell me I can't blame Leonard Fournette when I absolutely can blame Leonard Fournette. But Fournette and Foles, I still think that the offensive line looked like it wasn't tough enough. Even when Foles threw the touchdown pass, that drive, when he did complete passes, you could tell it was about to be a long day for that line. They were collapsing. They were getting pretty close to Indianapolis. Yeah. And luckily, he was able to get it away at times. But... It, it, it was just they got well, beat up in the trenches, man. You can't win football games at any level if you get beat up in the trenches. I'm not surprised, though, Brent, because I sat here and said if it was. I, I distinctly remember having a conversation with you, and I said if it was fourth and one game on the line, Jaguars versus Colts. How confident are you that the Jaguars could run the ball and get that first you down? You did say that, and I said and, I, I had no evidence to be confident. Yeah. And, and that answers your question right there. Yeah. Where if a team knows you're going to run the ball and you can't push them back a couple yards then you're not a good offensive line. And I don't know if John Filippo right now realizes that because I was under the impression, and I even said this on the show too, I wanted to see him pass the ball more to set up the run, right? Well, you could argue that that's what they did yesterday, but there wasn't enough running. And, Ryan, we'll get into the Miles Jack part of this conversation because I'll tell you what. Austin Lane has been right about one thing on this entire show. We've been doing it for 10 months. He hasn't been right about anything else. 
Nothing else. It's been, it has but been he, a lot. But he has been right <laughs> about the mob. I thought of you a lot yesterday. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, You're I, welcome. And, uh, I appreciate it. I mean, and, I was just always now, thinking about Did I want to go on Twitter and kind of gloat a little bit? I absolutely did, but I was staying humble, and I was waiting for to talk about it today. But it's not where Ryan took us in terms of being paid necessarily, although that's part of it. It's but got something to do with it. it. It's also not necessarily about him playing poorly. It's about where he's playing yeah. uh, more so. So we'll, we'll get into that side of it. Uh, what was the third part of Ryan bring up? Foles. Uh, uh, you remember? <laughs> Foles, Sorry, man. We got into Jack, it. We'll get into it. Anyway, we got yeah. Pat on the line uh, as well. We want to talk a little bit about the Jags' future, which right now looks uh, certainly doom and gloom when this uh, coaching staff and maybe even front office. What's up, Pat? Hey, guys. Uh, first, I just wanted to say I love the show. Y'all's dynamic is great. I've been watching pretty much since y'all started, and it's awesome. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Thank I just you. Man. Say, the interview with Fournette after the game and seeing how frustrated he was, I do not blame that guy at all. He come out of the bye, he's healthy, he's a workhorse. Fournette's not one of those guys that just blows you up in the first quarter. He's one of those guys, he's a cowbell. You keep giving him the ball, he's going to blow you up because he's going to outstrength you. He's going to outlast you. I thought it was embarrassing, the play calling. Also, I think – Foles, I want to give him one more game, but if he looks like that this this upcoming game against the Titans, I say Pitt Minshew in there. That's your future. Thanks, guys. Hey, thank you, thank man. You, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show. And by the way, uh, not afraid to tell you, you've been watching on some of the video feeds. We went over one million views on our video feeds on Friday. So thanks for uh, checking those out, and we appreciate you checking out the show. Uh, just the beginning, hopefully, for Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, he's right. And before we get to a break and when we'll come back, we've got to talk about the defense. We will. Yeah. But more on Filippo right now. Everybody loves talking about the offense. I just don't understand the game plan of saying that we are not good enough. And they kind of did it against Houston, too, in London. And mm-hmm. they just said, we're not good enough to do this. We're afraid of this. And it felt that way against Houston, remember? Yeah. That well, they were afraid. They were afraid of their own trenches. I mean, you can't play this game scared. You can't play this game with one plan and that's it and blow it up. And if it doesn't work, well, we just throw our hands up. It felt like yesterday the Jags had a game plan. And if it didn't work... Well, they were going to get blasted like they did. And if it did work, it was going to be like, hey, we're geniuses. This is great. You can't play football that way. Mm. You can't do that. I mean, the broadcast was talking about in their production meetings and everything else that they said they were going to throw it. They They knew it all week. They were going to throw it and not try to run. Which I thought was a little gamesmanship, possibly. But no, I mean, it it turned out to be the case. It ended up being, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what happened. Again, Austin, this wasn't 14 to nothing early. This was 10 to 7. This was 7 to nothing Jags. This was even 17 to 7. You can still run the football with with 22, 23 minutes to go in the game. They never tried to use their best offensive weapon. Leonard Fournette. Well, and I completely agree with the call because if, if you watch the press conference after, obviously he's upset, as he should be. Now, yes, I'm critical because he had, what, eight carries, nine carries, whatever it was for two point something yards. That's not good. But to, 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 you know, I guess to the caller's testament here, that's not Fournette's style. Fournette needs the ball, you know, 25, 30 times a game, and maybe one of those or two of those plays, he's going to break out for that long game. And, and that can completely turn the momentum of a game. And. They didn't even give him a chance to do that. You know, especially, like you said, Brent, the best player team, 
I think it's a debate between him and DJ Turk being the best player in the offense, but it's a horse apiece. You know what? And if I'm picking the horse apiece, I'm taking Leonard Fournette every single time because you're running the ball. You're you're imposing your will on the defense. You know, you're imposing your will on the defensive line and you're gassing them out a little bit. You're tiring them down. You're wearing them out for the fourth quarter and you're dictating the clock, which is so important because I've said before, you can't get into a bunch of firefights with teams. I, I don't think you have the offense to do it. So. To only give the Fournette the ball, you know, like nine, eight, nine times, like I said, um, it's absolutely baffling to me, and, a, and I, I don't get it. It's unbelievable, this offense, at times this year, I can remember some times where it's like, wow, this offense looks like it's pretty good. And I just see what they do in the red zone. you got to mm-hmm. cash in on the red zone. They can move up and down, and that's Minshew. I get it. That's Minshew. Um, I think, by the way, that was Ryan's last point. It was Minshew. You know, yeah, go, yeah. go back to Minshew. Yep. And Again, I'm not ready to get there just yet. I don't think that's really fair to Foles. I mean, to come in one game and boom. But you guys, you all might be right. I'm just saying. Like the last caller said, though, Brittany, so he wants to see one more game with Foles, and if he does bad, I assume, against Tennessee, then he wants to see Minshew back in. Hey, you know, there's one way that we can figure out if the Jags can fix the red zone coming off the bye. Get to the damn red zone. (laughs) we got to take a break. Speaking of the clock, when we come back, this defense, they can't. How do you give up that many rushing yards to the Indianapolis Colts? How do you give up 200-plus rushing yards three times so far in 10 games this season? Back-to-back games now, when it all is on the line in your season. And the Miles Jack topic is a really good one. Why did he get paid? And why is he maybe playing middle linebacker? We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. Your calls welcome. Star Start 690-904-362-9901. Miserable Monday continues. Hats off to Indy. They, they got after us pretty good. And um, I told the team that we practice well, we prepare well, we don't perform well. You know, I'm responsible for penalties. I'm responsible for the way the team plays. I'm responsible for how they, they, they get ready to play on Sunday. And I've got to do a better job of getting this team ready to go. And we tried... You know, stopped the run a couple of different ways and weren't able to do it. So we've got to look, take a good look at ourselves and figure that out. And then we've got to figure out this third down where we can keep ourselves on the field and, and make some plays. Screw Indy, Doug. They're just average. But they, the problem is the Jags are the worse trenches. than average. They went in the trenches, Brent. Brent Moore, no Austin Lane. On a Monday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, Coos here as well. We'll hear more from the Jaguars and uh, just the fallout from a disaster yesterday and, and two games of missed opportunity over the last three weeks now, which changes the dynamic of the season, no doubt. I'm actually afraid of what might happen in Nashville on Sunday. We can talk about that as the week goes along, but... I, I like I can picture Derrick Henry like in his bull, bulldozer right now. Like I think he's well, driving a bulldozer to practice. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't even want to think about it. And and I like Derrick. Yeah. And and listen, <laughs> I know, I know you're not the biggest Titans believer, and, and, and I get it. And I I haven't really sang their praises, but I've said they're a different team since Tannehill came along, and I'm still going to stick by that. And now they got Corey Davis coming back. You got Delaney Walker coming back, and obviously that run game. Yeah, it's it's going to be a hard game to win um, in Tennessee. And with what I saw after the bye week against the Colts, why would anybody think right now, if you're going to put money down, why would anybody think that the Jaguars could beat Tennessee at Tennessee? Um, no, I mean, it could very well happen because it's the NFL, and I get it. It's a week by week basis. But going off what I saw last week. It's hard to come, you know, to, to say that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't think so. All right, let's get back to the problem at hand. That is the defense. 
this is, again, I go, you asked me about those teams earlier in the show, the Ravens, the this, the that, and yeah. the Titans, and, and there's a toughness about them, right? And I feel like, you know, you know, when Jack Del Rio was the coach, there were times where there was a toughness about the Jags' defense. There, there wasn't. Was a, there was a toughness about the team, right? About general. the team, yeah. yeah let's say uh, the whole team. You know, yeah, with the late Vinny Manawai and mm-hmm. the guys like that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, the you know Mojo running the football. Heck yeah. The and I, again, I get so uh, conflicted talking about this topic because there's a huge difference between saying you're not tough, like you're soft, you're that. But there are styles to football teams, and, and it's not. You can be a tough football player, but your team might just still be a kind of a finesse team. Yeah. And I think the way the Jags started making explosive plays on both sides of the football in 2017 made them into this finesse team on both sides. I mean, Telvin Smith made a ton of plays. He is because not- they're more. Well, you know, you say on defense especially, you can call a team finesse. I call them speed. You know, uh, fast. I say they're fast as opposed to physical. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. Yeah. Uh, so fast, and and Telvin is that right? Oh, again, again, Telvin's tough. He plays football. Yeah. But he's not tough like 260 pound linebacker guy. Tough. He's yeah. not going to knock you into next week. In fact, he'll miss a few tackles, but he'll also pick off a pass and run it back the other way. I'll tell you what too. There's a play on the backside. He's going to chase it down and make that tackle as well. Excellent. Yeah. Point. So there's that's the difference. Right now, the Jags don't. The problem is, if you're not going to be physical, you better make the fast plays, right? So, like, if you're going to make a ton of plays, you can give up some of the physical nature plays and miss some tackles here or there. Uh, Telvin Smith was making a living doing that. He earned himself a big contract doing that. Mm -hmm. The Jags' defense was doing that. I think, actually, to a degree, this is going to sound bad, too. i got to be careful here. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is a fast football player. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, again, they can be a toughness about him, but if you had to pick one, physical or fast, I'm going to say he's a fast football player. Is that sure. accurate? Absolutely. Especially, especially as a pass rusher. He's, right. Yeah. So, and that's why he makes the splash plays. Correct. Look at his stats. He's now the second leading sack man in Jacksonville Jaguars history. Crazy. Are you going to pay? I, don't know, I, was, I was looking at my signs. Yeah, where's yeah, the sign? The sign. Yeah. yeah, I said I'd, I'd probably pay him well, now. But I, I tell you what, the, the front office and everybody and Shad Khan and everybody else, they have no choice. They have the way this stuff has gone over the last however many years. If he wants two hundred million dollars, you better pay Jan. Yeah, I mean, they have no choice. You I mean, cannot tell this, and it's not even about Yannick Ngakwe. It's about the fan base and everybody else. You better pay him and keep him here. He is the second most. That's right. He (laughs) is the second most prolific pass rusher in the history of your franchise, and he continues to make big plays. That was a game-changing play potentially if Taven Bryan falls on it, or Mm -hmm. if he does essentially scoop and score it. Yeah, didn't happen, but he helped make that play that could have been a game-changing play. So I guess why Marcel Darius? Do they miss him that much? Is well, Marcel Darius that big of a factor well, on this football team? When I said, listen, I, I'm a big Marcel Darius fan, and he may not have shown up in the, in the stat columns with tackles for loss and sacks, and I really don't care what pro football focus says about Marcel Darius. All I have to go off is what I've seen on film, and what I've said on film, and this, it's one of the promos that you guys use for me when we come into the show, I think he has one of the best first steps in the NFL. Yeah. I think he has some of the quickest hands in the NFL, and they absolutely did miss him. You know, and and then the whole three behind it was well, Taven Bryan's starting to surge now, which he is. Taven Bryan's playing better football, 
But guess what? He's not he's not Marcel Darius. Well, the bottom line, he's hurt. I mean, you can't do anything about well, it. No, I'm just saying yeah, but, uh, you th- miss him. Th- this is my point, though. Absolutely, yes, you miss him. Because I think the, the, the theory was Taven Bryan would replace him, and they wouldn't miss a beat. Yeah. Well, no, you're you're missing a lot of beats right now. And for the record, I think he did play against Carolina, but he's banged up all year. Yeah. Marcel Dar had the elbow, then had this, and the the both. I mean, what was it? His whole groin was ripped off. No, so his his, uh, ab- his 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 complete abdominal muscles were ripped off from his groin to his hips or whatever. Yeah, that's Just, gross. Yeah. yeah. Um, Painful. And, yeah. Well, and by the way, played with it for the whole game. Yeah. Played with it. Pretty tough guy. I would say physical more than fast. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to Darius. Badass more than fast. Yeah, yeah whatever you want to call him. Uh, uh, listen, and I think if you're going to go down the list of players, I, I think I, I I love Calais Campbell. Yeah. But I don't, and he had some good games stacked up. Yes. This one wasn't one for him. And at, when there's not a good game for Calais Campbell, I think the the age factor starts to creep in your mind. Of course. And there are days where the Jags in general, like I thought they looked old and slow in the entire football game yesterday, both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Their offense looked sluggish and slow, and Foles was in on that rather than Minshew, so it looked a little different to the eyes. Yeah. They couldn't run the football. There were no explosive plays other than the touchdown to DJ Chark. And... They looked slow. Uh, it, it felt like I was watching a game that was being played outside in Chicago at 15 degrees. Yeah. You know how those sh- games kind of look sometimes, where they just nobody's running fast. They're mm-hmm. kind of stuck in the mud. I felt this was on turf inside. Usually look faster. The Jags looked slower, and so I do think a little bit that's Calais. Then the two big topics here from a defensive point of view: one is Todd Wash. Mm-hmm. and people have been calling for Todd Wash's head for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not subscribed to that. Uh, I, I think some of the numbers have stacked up nicely. I, I've always say I think it's more about players most of the time. I think when you give up three 200-yard games, I think you have to go look at the coach. And I have to look at the defensive coordinator. And mm-hmm. when that was your focus of fixing the entire bye week, that's what you said. You have to fix the explosive plays. And now you're, what, mid-20s in the NFL and, and rushing defense? Mm-hmm. Now that points right back to the coach. I think he would even say that. And then the other guy's Miles Jack. But let's go Todd Wash first. Well, what, what's your major problem with their defense and, yeah. and Wash and what they're doing? So let's go with a lot of things first, Brent. First of all, I I got to be a man and look myself in the mirror and say that I was wrong because I've said on this show in the preseason many times this Jaguars defense was going to be elite. You know, and I thought their defensive line was going to be, you know, all world. I thought their secondary would be okay. I thought their linebackers would be okay. And I remember it was a preseason game, and I forgot who even said the comment on Twitter. But I basically broke down for 20 minutes when you had to go shoot the video of why the Jaguars' defense is elite. Well, guess what? They aren't elite. They're not even close to being elite. And when you want to look at Todd Wash's philosophy here and his scheme, I mean, let's go ahead and start there because it starts with the defensive coordinator. You know, it's it's something that I, that I preached after that Carolina game. Um, it's something that I talked about after the Houston game. And it's something that I'm talking about again. And I don't care what kind of scheme you run. I don't care if it's the most exotic thing in the world. I don't care if it's what the New England Patriots run. There's a reason why the New England Patriots are so good on defense. Okay? And you can say they haven't played a lot of people. Well, look pretty good against the Eagles. There's a reason why they're so good. They don't have all these all-pro kind of guys. If I go on the street right now and say, name me three players on the New England Patriots defense, nobody could do it. Name me two players on the Patriots defensive line. Nobody could do it. Maybe somebody can't even name one player on the defensive line. 
But you know what they do well? They do the little things well. They they have the fundamentals down to a T. And yesterday, as I watched that Jaguars defense get gashed and gashed and gashed, I saw a defensive line that didn't play with eye discipline. I saw a defensive line that couldn't tackle. I saw a secondary and middle, and I saw a linebacking core that couldn't that didn't have the proper pursuit angles and couldn't finish tackles. I saw Marlon Mack looking like he was the second coming of Eddie George in his prime yesterday. I saw. I mean, I just saw I saw so many things, but I saw Jacoby Brissett in the red zone, Indianapolis in the red zone, getting ready to go score. Game on the line. I saw a defensive line and a linebacking core that was confused. I saw guys standing up that were not ready to play. And what happened? Jacoby Brissett scores a touchdown because guys were not in position. Okay, those things right there. And listen, I'll be the first one to tell you, I have a lot of respect for Todd Wash in more ways than one. Todd Wash, I'm not going to share the story. It's his story to tell. I'm not going to, you know, give the behind the curtain on this one. But Todd Wash did a lot for me on my way out of Jacksonville that a lot of coaches didn't have to do. So I have a lot of respect for Todd Wash. Let me start off by saying that. So this is hard for me to do. But when you have a team that's not tackling properly, when you have a team that doesn't have to play with the eye discipline, that, that that's biting on the fakes, that's just not playing quality football you got to take a look at yourself and say, what's going on? You know, and you just, that's the, that's the frustrating thing, Brent, about yesterday. It's the fact that at least when I watched the Carolina game, I could point to a couple guys that made mistakes. And what, guess what? When a couple guys make mistakes, the whole team suffers, right? We talked about Clayus Campbell against Carolina. We talked about Quincy Williams against Carolina. A couple plays here and there, and you know what? Then the whole team crumbles. Yesterday, I saw play after play after play. It wasn't just one or two or three big plays. It was the entire game. And and when you have that, man, that, that falls directly on coaching. So that's where I stand right now on, on what I think about Todd Wash, where, yes, obviously the scheme's not working, but also I think just the teaching of the fundamentals and getting guys ready for their assignments and getting making sure guys are ready to play the game, it's not there right now. When you talk about the discipline and, and running and gap responsibilities Integrity, yeah. and, and, and angles and – how much do you think – and I get it's some coaching, right? You're talking about in practice. And, sure. and Doug Marone hinted today or talked today on his conference call just a short time ago that they were going to change the way they practice. That's yeah. when gra- you start grasping for straws, by the way. That's when that does. When you char- start changing who you are. Hitting the and panic it's not button. Working. And, well, by the way, I'm, you got to try to do something. We'd criticize you if you kept it all the same. But I'm just telling you that's usually the beginning of the end. That's when things start going awry because you lose that consistency and it appears like you're panicking at times, sometimes even to the players. Mm-hmm. But I'm not suggesting – they shouldn't do it. They've got to change something. Yeah. So how much of that is done during the week at practice? And how much is that just guys being, for lack of a better term, dumb football players or, or, or not focused football players? I mean, they've played this game for a long time. See, this is where I always go back to, you know, I, I'd say this in all sports, right? My, fa- my, my thing that I hate the most in sports is when us as commentators <clears> – <throat> We'll say on a freshman kid, right, that uh, maybe he has clock mis- mismanagement at the end of a game in a two-minute drill. Sure. Uh, or, or a kid playing baseball doesn't uh, tag up from third base on a sack fly. It was say, oh, that's a freshman mistake. It's a freshman mistake. You've been playing football and baseball and all that stuff since you were six. That's not a freshman mistake. Yeah. That's playing the damn game the way you're supposed to play the game. That's focus. That's not good sports IQ. Mm. That's not, like, I don't put that on coaching if a kid messes up like that. I just say, dude, stay focused. Know what you're supposed to do. Think a little bit. That's part of being an athlete. 
But so how much yeah. is that? Like, I, I don't well, understand where the divide is sometimes. And I know everybody says, it's the coach, it's the coach, it's the yeah. coach. I just don't always jump on that ship all the time and say, yeah, sure, is it some? It can't be 100% the coach. Two things. It's the coach when the team has shown you glimpses of brilliance. We saw what the Jaguars did against Tennessee the very first time they played each other on Thursday Night Football, and we saw what the Jaguars did against the Saints in a, in a very powerful Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. Now, yeah, Alvin Kamara would have maybe a little banged up, but you know what? I'll take a banged-up Alvin Kamara over a lot of running backs in this league, okay? So we've seen times that the Jaguars have played really good football, especially in the trenches. So you see, you've seen the, the, the glimpses of excellence. So that should be the standard. And the the most telling thing to me, Brent, and if you want to know whether it's Pop Warner, high school, college, or the NFLs, whatever, name your level. I don't care. If you want to know, if you, if you want to see if a team is ready to play defense, look at the missed tackles. That's all you got to know because you're going to have an exact idea of what that team was doing during that bye week or during that practice week to prep for the Indianapolis Colts. I'll tell you what they weren't doing. They weren't tackling. They were not practice tackling because teams that practice tackling, that, that practice the fundamentals, they don't have all those missed tackles. They don't make Marlon Mack look like he's all world. They just don't do that. And that, once again, falls on coaching. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I don't – got one thing about the bye week. Bye week is for self-scouting. Bye week is not necessarily for extra practice, right? No, I mean, I, I, think there's, I think there's a misnomer out there that everybody stays in the building across the league yeah. and practices extra days. That's but, not necessarily the case. You're absolutely right. But one thing about – and I'm not trying to compare coaches here. But with Coach Del Rio, and you can say he was a good coach or a bad coach. What do you want to say? I got a lot of respect for the guy. The one crazy thing with Jack Del Rio, man, yeah, we had our bye week and it was, you know, it, it was gravy. It was a good time. But when we came back from that bye week, man – it was like coming back from spring break and ready in college, coming back from spring break in Panama City and going to winter conditioning. Like it was just get ready because we're going to work now because yeah, you yeah. guys had the break and now we have to reacclimate ourselves to being physical. We have to reacclimate ourselves to you know knowing how to tackle. And I saw a Jaguars team on both sides of the ball that was not reacclimated to playing football. I think when we write this book on this season, I can't get over the fact that I believe and and uh, well dig dig deeper into this, but. Yeah that Doug Marone did everything he could to protect the players, help the players this entire last few months. Yeah. And it backfired on him. Yet we have those conversations is you got to respect the player. you got to trust the player. you got to do that. Well, what if, uh, again, I go, again, I'm not saying Doug's not, Doug's, Doug's responsible for taking that tact yeah. because it didn't work. Yeah. So he shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But man, well, I mean, you got to pay that back at some point. But here's the biggest thing too, Brent. Like you said, the whole purpose of a bye week is to evaluate what's going on, the pros and cons. You knew that Jaguars are vulnerable on the defensive line of not having fundamentals. Well, guess what? They still don't have fundamentals. So who does that fall on? Well, how much the does coaches. Falls, uh, coaches and how much falls on the middle linebacker? Miles Jack conversation next on ESPN 690. It wasn't us, you know. It was, you know, and it's, a, it's a crucial game in a situation where you know we come a division game on the road. You know, so you know it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be hard. You know, I mean, I knew it was going to be a, a very tough game because you know, they have a really good defense. You know, they're you know playing good ball. You know, and fighting for the same way we're fighting for. You know, for for the same. So you just are coming out and play good ball. It's just. Um, we, we didn't play good enough, you know. I mean, we had our moments, you know, but it was just, you know, I mean, they, they beat us. We got to wear it. They got to wear it. We got to all wear that one. I don't even want to think about wearing next week's. I'm wearing it, man. Feeling like I'm rocking a <laughs> tight-ass turtleneck right now, but I'm wearing it. And, and, and I don't.
don't look good doing it, but I'm wearing it. <laughs> Fred Martin, Austin Lane, Coos back here on uh, what is a miserable Monday in Jags land. <laughs> Very constricted right now in this turtleneck. Uh, without question. All right, we've been teasing it for really the last half hour. Sorry, <laughs> there's so much to get to. We're going to yeah, keep we'll, we'll get. Listen, we're on Jags. I mean, we talk uh, talk a little bit about two, I think, a little bit later, mm. and and some of the things happening in college football, but we got all week to talk about that, too. We're talking Jags, and there's a lot of emotion in this room and across the city right now if you're a Jags fan. So uh, we have to get to Miles Jack. Yeah. You know, Miles Jack, listen, I've been wrong on Miles Jack so far. I, I thought, first of all, I'm, I'm going to go back and tell you what I thought. I, don't, I try not to do this just when I'm right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that happens a lot, far enough. But this one I've been wrong on so far. The, the, the evidence shows I'm wrong. Go back to that draft in 2016. Mm-hmm. I was there in Chicago. Jalen Ramsey ends up going in the first round. The big story is about Miles Jack's knee. And I said, I think Miles Jack is the best player in this draft. Mm-hmm. I really did. I thought he was the best player in the draft, ahead of Ramsey, ahead of Bosa, ahead of all those guys, yeah. the quarterbacks that were taken. I thought he was the best player in the draft. Tremendous athlete, dynamic, all these things. And Jags end up getting the second round because of the knee. And really, from a value standpoint, they still are probably I winning. The, I thought it was the pick of the draft. Right <laughs> and, there. and they still yeah. are winning on the value of that pick, I think, to some degree. Mm-hmm. So he plays, and then obviously in 17, he makes the huge plays in the postseason. Miles Jack wasn't down, becomes and forever will live in Jacksonville lore. And I said that offseason, I said, this guy's about to take the step. Mm-hmm. He is The way he played in that postseason, the way he played in that Patriots game, the violent nature, the fast nature, the ability to use that skill set. Mm-hmm. He is a tremendous athlete. And I said, his coming out party is in 2018. And to to go along with you, because why wouldn't you think that, right? Because it almost felt like Puzz was going to retire. He was going to pass down the torch to Miles Jack, and it was going to be his year. And it wasn't. It Mm. was kind of a, listen, nobody had a great year in 2018, but it was just a whatever year. So I said, I doubled down Mm -hmm. this year. I said, okay, now he's ready. This is a resurgence. He's a little more comfortable in his role, all those things. Bam, look out. I'm outside of the interception. Was that Cincinnati? Yes. That he made? Yeah. Find me another Miles Jack play. Hmm. We've played ten games. He plays the middle linebacker spot. Mm-hmm. Find me another play that I would be like, whoo! Wow. Mm-hmm. Forty four. I, I I'm probably missing one or two that you can come up with. But you get my point. Correct. And so that's my view on the Miles Jack situation. He said he wanted to be a middle linebacker. Doesn't matter if Telvin Smith's retiring. He wants to be the middle. Remember all that stuff? We got him at the bowling alley that yeah. day, right? And he doubled down on that. The Jags doubled down on that. But you all along said this guy should be playing the weak side. Yeah. Because that will take advantage of his skill set, his athleticism, his toughness, his mm-hmm. speed, all those things. Yep. I guess you are right, because he doesn't look like he is a star middle linebacker. Can he play it? Absolutely. He can play all three positions. Of course, yeah, because he's that good. He's that athletic. Correct. Is he a star middle linebacker? We're going on two years now, and I think the answer is probably not. Did they overpay him? Yeah, probably so. But if you put him at the weak side linebacker, we might find out that they probably paid him correctly. Correct. That's what I'm now wondering. Yeah, exactly. And and listen, like – 
when I was back in the summer talking about this, where I think Miles Jack should play on the weak side, and you know, then you guys asked him, and he's like, "No, I'm a middle linebacker." So I got that kind of laughed in my face a little bit. Okay, Miles Jack's playing middle linebacker, and, and I'll be honest, I was optimistic because I think Miles Jack is that good. I think he's that athletic where you can put him at safety, and he'll find a way to be successful. But here's the problem, and, and it's the exact same problem when I brought this argument the very first day I talked about why I wanted Miles Jack to play the weak side linebacker. Brent, Coos, anybody listening, go ahead and call in and tell me the most athletic guy on defense, and guess what? It's Miles Jack now because Jalen Ramsey's gone. True. The, the argument of saying the most athletic guy might have been Jalen Ramsey, might have been Miles Jack. Well, Jalen's gone now. So the most athletic guy on defense Name one other team where the most athletic guy on defense is playing the middle linebacker spot. And I'll go ahead and wait. And I'll probably be waiting a while. Do you know why? Because it's not possible. You don't put your most athletic, freaking nature kind of guy at the middle linebacker spot. Not saying that he can't do it, because, you know, I think he's doing eh, an okay job. But I just see so much wasted talent and potential, Brad. And that, that's a frustrating thing. And here's the more frustrating thing. I get what Todd Wash, because this is Todd Wash's call, let's be honest here. I get what Todd Wash is trying to do. He's trying to say, you know what, Miles Jack, he's been in the system. He knows what to do. He's, you know, he's the quote-unquote leader of the team. So let's go ahead and put him in the middle linebacker spot. He's calling the plays, yada, yada, yada. But you're trying to revolutionize a position at the middle linebacker spot, but you're playing the same defense you've been playing. So you aren't changing the game at all. You're just trying to change the position. So what's the point of trying to change the quote-unquote middle linebacker position if you have the same exact defense that you've been having for the past couple years? It does absolutely nothing. So, yeah, I think Miles Jack is playing out of spot. I think he would be well-suited to play at the weak weak side linebacker spot. And here's another thing, too. You said that Jacksonville Jaguars overpaid Miles Jack. Well, I think anybody right now would agree with that because is he a top three linebacker right now in the NFL? That's what he's getting paid at. That's what he's getting paid. And and I'll wholeheartedly say, no, he is not a top three inside linebacker right now in the NFL. Anybody who's been watching any of the games would agree with me on that. But here's the issue. I think the Jaguars, when they signed into that new deal, I think they thought that they got him for a bargain. They're like, oh, Miles Jack's going to be the guy. Let's go. You know what? Yeah, sure. Jan should probably get paid, too. You know, Jan's a pass rusher. That should be a top priority. But let's go ahead and see if we can get Miles Jack on the low, low here, offer him this long-term deal, and let's lock him up as a Jacksonville Jaguar. And guess what? They did. Now he's the third highest paid inside linebacker, and he's not playing like it, and you still have Yannick Ngakwe over here making plays week in, week out, playing hurt with a bad hamstring, try pass rush with a bad hamstring, see how that works out. Not too well. That's okay, though. He's still doing it. Here we go. Another sack, fumble, sack, fumble, sack, fumble. Keep playing that card and see how it pays out, man. And I get it. Maybe with the Jacksonville Jaguars, you want to push them all in and say, you know what, let's see what Yann's got. Let's see if he can really put up 10 sacks. We'll see what he's got. Well, right now, he's on pace towards it, Brent. He's got touchdowns. He's got interceptions. He's got a lot of things going for him. And if I'm Yannick Ngakwe, I know we're talking about Miles Jack right now, but if I'm Yannick Ngakwe right now, why why would I still be excited to be a Jacksonville Jaguar? And then, and then this is a wholehearted question. I'm trying to put myself in Yannick Ngakwe's you know, shoes right now. And I, it's hard because, dude, this guy's a hell of a player. I mean, he, I, I, I was a fraction of what Yannick Ngakwe is. But if I'm Yannick Ngakwe right now and I'm watching how this whole season's playing out, Ramsey going, Miles Jack getting paid, and I'm still over here doing my thing, the same thing that I've done for the past you know, couple years I've been in Jacksonville and I haven't been paid yet, I'd be pretty frustrated. Yeah, and he hasn't showed. He's, he continues yeah. to play, and that's, I think, the 
number one thing you can say about him. He's yeah. been such a pro throughout the whole thing, and he continues to play and play and play, and good for him. Um, and he didn't just just take an offer and you know that that maybe was more team friendly, and he and he rolled the dice. Back to Miles Jack. Yeah. The other thing about Miles Jack is that Telvin Smith's retirement actually opened the door for them to make the move. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. When all that was going down, you see. You could say, all right, we're putting Miles Jack in the middle because we have Telvin Smith, and Telvin Smith can't play anywhere else. You're stuck, right? Yeah. I mean, he can't play in the middle, and he's not playing the strong side linebacker spot. So unless you're moving him to safety, there's nowhere else to play Telvin Smith, and he's in the he's got a contract, and he's a Pro Bowl guy there. Yeah. So you're 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 a little crowded at that spot. Well, then Telvin says, I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. And you had the chance to move, but it speaks to what this whole thing is all about. It's like you listened to the player and said, where I want the player, the player says, I want to play here, so I'm going to stay here. That's not how it necessarily works or should work if you could be a pro bowler potentially in the other spot. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I admire Miles Jack for wanting to play the position, feels like he can play that position, wants to be the leader of that defense. But it's still not putting him in position, at least according to you and many others, to to be at his best. And I want to be at... I think it's better off to be at my best. If I can if I can do this pretty good and this great, I want to go where I can be great. And this is what makes you just a, a meh defensive coordinator. This is the difference between a meh defensive coordinator and an absolutely legendary Hall of Fame defensive coordinator or a Hall of Fame head coach. It's that the the average coach will take his players, his talent, and he'll make them play a system. A great coach a legendary coach, Brent, he will take the talent and make the system work for him. Taking the talent and making the system work for them, that the, that means that Miles Jack's got to play on the outside because that's where he's utilized best, it, it, hands down. I mean, there's no arguments. All right, there is none. There is no arguments because you're going to put your most athletic guy, especially at the linebacking core, you put him on the outside where he can run around, you can blitz with him, you can drop back into coverage, you can do all these things with him. And maybe you don't make him, you know, have to know all the calls, have all the checks down, all the audibles down. No, that's not Miles Jack's game. Miles Jack's an athletic freak. Let him run around. But guess what? At the middle linebacker spot, you're basically just you're trying to rein in a, uh, a, a you're trying to rein in a cage dog. And that's all you're doing at the middle linebacker spot. Unleash him. Let him play outside. One more thing for Miles Jack defense, because I know it sounds like we're kind of hammering Miles Jack. I don't think he's playing up to where they thought he would. I don't think he's playing up to where he thought he would. I don't think he's playing up to that contract. And I think you're right about the probably in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. But he also has very little help. And that linebacker, to me, if you look at the difference in this defense. Oh, he's by himself in that linebacker. I would, I would say Marcel Darius. He's had his hands full, by the way, Miles yeah. Jack. But as he grows into this position, this leadership role, they're going to keep him there. He's had his hands full. Mm. And I, that, by what I mean by that is really not a lot of trust. You know, Marcel Darius missing may be a big factor. But when they talk about run defense, at least when I hear run defense, 200-plus yards in three games, I think the linebackers. Hmm. And I think it's a linebacker issue just as much as anything else. And I know it all works hand in hand. But nobody, if your linebackers are playing well, nobody runs for 200 yards. Yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, you're absolutely right, Brent. But it, once again, I'm not, and I'm not trying to like just single out Miles Jack here because this is a this is a collective team thing. My only point is I think Miles Jack's playing on a position, but especially yesterday, it falls on the safeties. You know, safety's not crashing hard enough. It falls on the defensive linemen for not keeping those linemen, those great linemen for the Colts, off of Miles Jack. So it falls on a lot of people, Brent. 
But when, when I see guys trying to struggle to get lined up and the ball's already snapped, I mean, that's that's Miles Jack. That, that is that's Miles your, Jack. That's your general, you know? Yeah. And when you're the general and your guys aren't ready, man, that, that falls on you. So it's things of that nature. Well, and listen, uh, my point in the other linebackers is you if you take 2017, you had Paul Puzzlesny, mm-hmm. Miles Jack, mm-hmm. and Telvin Smith. Telvin Smith goes to a Pro Bowl, an emerging player in Miles Jack, and a solid stand, solid, solid, solid player in, in Puzz at that stage of his career, right? I mean, he's playing 30% of the time yeah. at that strong side spot. He had yeah. moved over, and so he's playing periodically. But they all trust him. You don't have to tell him where to go. Yeah, yeah. He knows where he's going to go. Yeah. And now you look, and they've had Quincy Williams, a rookie who should not be playing as much as he was playing. He should have a year well, and, and let's be honest, Brent, the fact and now that, he's not. Well, the fact he's not playing right now shows you that speaks volumes. They have no trust in him. That speaks volumes. And again, I think he's going to be an all right player down the road, man. As do I. But I just don't. I don't think this. This was too early for him. This was yeah. too much for him. Well, well once and again, the fact that you didn't play yesterday, it just it says all you I need to I think you're right. Yeah. And Najee Good is a nine-year guy, and he's a solid guy, but he's brought here to play special teams, not to mm-hmm. be a starting weak side linebacker. And Leon Jacobs, he's had some nice moments earlier in the season, coming off an injury. You know, it, but my point is, look at that, okay? Mm-hmm. I give you Telvin Smith, I give you Miles Jack, I give you Paul Puzlesny two years ago. Now I give you Najee Good, Miles Jack, and I give you Leon Jacobs. That's a big difference. So my question to you then, with that big difference, who does that fall on? Well, I, I mean, you're going to tell me the front office. Well, but so, I mean, th- there's got to be accountability. I mean, yeah, well, absolutely. Well, Smith screwed the team a little bit in that oh, front. Oh, he absolutely did. But guess what? That's not the first time a player's retired a little early. I get it. But you don't sit there and draft linebackers when you have a Pro Bowl linebacker. No, I understand that. But even in free agency or trade or something yeah. like that, you, you, you go after and get who you need to win ballgames. Yeah. Simple as that. No, they're weak there. Yeah. I mean, they, they got they, they, – and to me, it's a contrast of when they were good compared yeah. to what they are now. And, and I'll be honest – Every single defense or offense, they're, they're going to be weak somewhere, right? That's just the way the NFL works. But the linebacking core right now, it's it's a very glaring weakness. It's almost to the point where it's, like, it's not a scheme or anything. It's just they're outmanned. And, and the other thing is that's where you get toughness from, man. That physical nature comes yeah. from your linebackers and your safeties a lot, right? Oh, Go pop dude. somebody. I, I, I had Puzz. I had Daryl Smith. I had Russell Allen. Yeah. Have you, do you remember Say a big no hit? More. Can, Lance can, Briggs. Can yeah. you give me a big hit? I, mean, I don't remember a big hit. I, th- I think Quincy had one in the for a couple. I think the Titans game, yeah. Quincy had one. So yeah, week yeah. three. Week three. Uh, not too many big hits, man. Not too many big hits. Uh, when we come back, uh, Folds, Minshew. We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. I just don't understand why take out Garden Minshew. Nick Foles is not the answer. Well, here we go. That's your call, Star Star 690. As always, uh, really every day on any topic you want to jump in, leave a voicemail on Star Star 690. But after Jags games, during Jags games, uh, more than welcome to do so. Also, you call the show, Star Star 690-904-362-9901. And that's the next part of this, right? Foles Minshew, did Doug Marone push the right button? Uh, did he push the wrong button? Well, he pushed every wrong button yesterday, that's for sure. There's no right button button to push. And uh, did the quarterbacks uh, are the quarterbacks responsible for stopping the run? That's what I want to know. No, they're not, <laughs> but they are they are responsible for doing something on offense. You know, I, I remember yeah. saying at seventeen to seven, and, and while the eyesore of that game yesterday is giving up the run yards, right, mm-hmm. and giving up a third and nineteen, and yeah. Dave and Brian not falling on the football, so they're all in the the eyesore is on the defense. 
But I remember tweeting at that time, be like, hey, it's fine, but you don't win games scoring seven points. And ever since that second drive, they've done nothing. I think they went at one time in the third quarter, or maybe it was the early fourth, it was eight consecutive drives without scoring. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can't do that. Like, you, your your team can't win anyway. Like, even if they gave up 100 yards rushing, they're not going to win scoring seven points. Well, maybe you've already asked Austin this, but I think this is a perfect time to ask Austin. You, you, you played defense. Is there any truth to this whole, like, if the offense doesn't get a couple first downs, that you get gassed and you get worse on defense? Or is that just a well, bunch of, like, broadcasting malarkey? No. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this because it's a perfect example. When I played back in, it would have been 2012, I believe, when we had, like, the top, we had a top six defense. But we also had a quarterback who couldn't get a first down. And, you know, the, the first couple drives, three and out, three and out, three and out. All right, cool. We're ready to go out of work. Like, you know, we're defense. We'll win this ball game. We'll put it on our back. If you're a good defense, you embrace that. But then as the game progresses, progresses, and it's still three and out, three and out, three and out, well, yeah, then obviously fatigue starts to be a factor and guys get tired. But if you go back to that Colts game and you watch the first half, I mean, guys are missing tackles they were off the get-go. getting early on, yeah. you're saying. So, yeah, exactly. And I, get, and I get what you're saying where, yeah, the offense didn't do many favors. True. But the defense came out flat from the get go. I agree, and that's, that's yeah. I guess that's my counterpoint to, to what Brent's saying. Yeah, I kind of, and I'll go back to what I said, and I believe this, and and I have to do this study once in a while. I get so pissed off at the Jags, uh, not at that everybody down there. I like it, most of the people down there, but I just get so frustrated with them, and I'm I'm here, yeah. and then I start looking up numbers. That's where the Brent Sports Bureau was born. <laughs> and is this so, is this where Stat Boy came from too? Stat Boy, no, Stat Boy. I don't okay? know where the hell Stat Boy is. Right. He's still celebrating the Nationals Championship, I think. Oh, okay. But yeah, that or just stop listening to the show. I don't know. Right. But uh, the but I got to come up with my own now. Yeah. And I, I still believe in in my mind. Anytime the Jaguars have any momentum on offense, the defense gives it right back. It's just simple. I mean, all I got to do is tell you to the best one of the year was against the Denver Broncos, and the Jags not so great in the first half. They button everything up in the second half defensively. They take the lead, and they go relinquish it. Yeah. Right? I when, mean, it, when it matters, right? When yeah. it matters, the defense didn't stop anybody. Like, yeah. when was the last time this defense really stopped somebody when it mattered? Like, Deep in a, in, a, in a game, or even early in a game when you feel like you've got some momentum. Give me the football back, it, punt it away so we can yeah. go score and take a two-score two lead. I think we were talking about a complete game that, 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 on offense and defense. The only game that sticks out to me is the Thursday night game. Thursday night game, you're right. They yin and, and yanked a bit but there. And, but it, and that was, by the way, only 20-7. to 7. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, but to, but to, I mean, I mean, to but, me, it but was it a, felt like it. You're it right. was a yeah, an absolute. No, you know, I'm not, like I said, it's more my perception. Yeah. Then probably reality. It's probably happened more often than I think, mm -hmm. but I feel that way, and yeah. and I can't get uh, rid of like seven nothing. Yeah, it's early in the game still, but when then you go and they just hand it off, and sixty one yards by Marlon Mack, and then he finishes the drive the way he did. Yeah, right. and that's what well, I'm talking about. Like that is that that's like gross. And, and here's the most frustrating thing of all of it. It's the fact that we didn't know what the Jaguars were going to be on offense this year. Yeah, we had an idea of John DeFilippo coming in with Nick Foles. He could work some magic. We didn't see Gardner Minshew coming along and, you know, having some pretty good games, some pretty good drives. But the whole time, the constant in the offseason has been us talking about how this defense was going to be the identity of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was the defense and the ability to run the ball. And the defense has not been there. You know, like the, the, the Jaguars' identity, what we thought they were going to be the best at, they might actually be the worst at right now. So from that perspective... If you don't have an identity 
and the, the the main thing that you were supposed to be good at going into the season is not there. I don't care about the offense. You're not going to win ball game. By the way, I'll give you some context on this. Jaguars might be the worst at defense right now, mm-hmm. and in the last two weeks, they've scored essentially ten points. That was a garbage touchdown yesterday. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's how bad the offense has been. Yeah. <laughs> and we can't like can the I, defense. Uh, can bad. I put a silver lining on us? Oh gosh. You ready for this? Sunshine and rainbows? No, no, I'm not. Oh, no, just, 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 now. just a, good yeah, because was, I resigned today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Prince, uh, I sold the damn club. Prince, uh, yeah, I'm trying to break even. Yeah, Prince, uh, <laughs> no, here's here's this is kind of a cynical uh, look at things, but hey, at least uh, we didn't miss Jalen Ramsey because it wasn't the pass defense that was a problem; it was the run defense, and we would have been miserable even had we had Ramsey. I got to tell you something though. I thought about that a little bit and say, okay, because every game I'm like, okay, where did they miss Ramsey? Where did they miss Ramsey? And like Carolina, I didn't feel like Ramsey would have made a difference in it. But now I'm starting to think a little bit more about Ramsey, uh, like in a game like yesterday. And, you know, again, Boye shutting down one corner of the field, essentially. So, yeah, like, this really, and Herndon's played fine. I mean, he had a couple of plays yesterday. There was a pass interference. It was a little ticky tack, probably, yeah. too. But it's not like he's playing poor. But when you talk about the tough nature, even his swag, his talking trash, mm-hmm. you know, the toughness of a football team, sometimes yeah. it comes in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I, again, uh, it's, it might be a stretch. Your corner's not usually your toughest guy. But who is that right now for the Jags? And they have lost that to a degree. On offense, I think it's Leonard Fournette. So give him the damn ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On defense, I I. I don't know who that is. We just talked about. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a linebacker knock sure. someone into next week. Yeah. I haven't seen a safety knock no, anybody dude. into next week. But Jalen Ramsey, I saw him pick up Allen Robinson last night in a game, and people were talking about it. Yeah, and it but, was like, oh, it's a tackle, dude, out of bounds. Well, but, but, but here's the thing, though, Brent. Jalen Ramsey, he's a cancer to the locker room. You know, they're, they're better off without him now because the teams come together. Leonard Fournette even said it last week, where this team uh, is as close of a team that he's felt since he's been in Jacksonville. Well, where's that getting you? Yeah, again, that's fair point. I'm just saying, I don't know. To John's, I don't know if they win the game yesterday if they have Ramsey. No, I for do sure. wonder about. There's there's intangibles to look at it. If you're pro Ramsey, and I'm not necessarily pro Ramsey, although I did say, you know, I I did say you have to do everything you can to keep the guy. Yeah. But and I'm not blaming this right now on Ramsey. I think they have actually survived that trade for the most part. It's been less <laughs> impactful, but. I do think it, you wonder if your pro is like, what kind of swagger does he give you? Toughness does he give you? Just the physical, him being out on the field give you yeah. when this team doesn't have an identity. Jalen Ramsey was their identity in a lot of different ways. But then the other side, you're going to say, well, they all, they've kept this thing together in part because Ramsey. Now, well, now that's kind of blown well, up. They're four and six. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I'm not saying they would be six and four if they had Ramsey. I don't even know if they'd be five and five and win the game. Yeah. But I do think it's fair to wonder what the guy does bring from a toughness swag kind of standpoint and how that rubs off on everybody else. Because like I said, I don't know of a player on that football team that I feel is doing that for them right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Well, and here's the thing too, Brett. You want to talk about toughness. And yeah, maybe Jalen Ramsey did bring a little bit. Maybe did. Whatever. That's not the point. The point is, if you want to talk about toughness, that falls on coaches. That falls on holding guys accountable on the sidelines. When's the last time you saw a Jacksonville Jaguars coach, besides Houston, when Marone and Ramsey get into it, but when's the last time you saw a coach chew somebody out on the sidelines? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, but I'm trying to think back. Like when the Jet, Here's what I try to do, man. When you ask me that, I say, okay, I'm trying to think back of a good team. I'm trying to think back of a team that is good, is, is physical on defense, or when the Jags were good on defense and felt good on defense, and how many times I saw that too. 
I, I just Patriots? You watch the Patriots games? I, I guess not yeah. enough oh, okay. to know. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't, did listen. they rip somebody yesterday oh, on the side? No, no, not yesterday, but I'm talking about when they played the Ravens. Belichick went absolutely ballistic. Yeah. Everybody went ballistic. Yeah. Because that's just... That's the standard. Like you, you see know, it in college so much, and I just don't, you know, you see that yeah. jawing all the time. I just don't feel well, I see it a ton and, in the NFL. And listen, and I understand it's different now because it's more of the modern era, right? But no, the guys, trust me, especially position coaches. Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I mean, I, and I, maybe the cameras haven't showed that. Yeah. But I'm I, just I saying, know. usually when a coach is, you know, chewing a group out, the camera makes a habit of zooming in on that. And I haven't seen any of that this year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. I don't know if they have. I mean, Vikings won at least. Vikings and Close the Hawkeyes. Call, man. By the way, start with the Hawkeyes. Start with the Hawkeyes. Called it. We all I called watch it. it everybody, I, knew yeah. I, everybody knew that was coming. Everybody knew that was coming. I said Minnesota, man. I thought it was Minnesota's year. Uh, well. I'll tell you what. You know what? That game was on P.J. Fleck. Yes. Yeah. P.J. Fleck screwed that game up. Yeah, that was that In a was, lot of ways. Yeah, not just the time when you know, he ran that, out on the field and gave him an offsetter. Yeah, but they right. had a, they had a lot of issues in that game, and they just they well, proved that they weren't. Listen, I had waved their flag, you know. I thought yep. that win against Penn State showed me something a lot of teams hadn't showed. Yep. And then they went and they they didn't play well in critical times, and yeah. that to but me they, that was I don't usually go to the coaches. I thought Fleck screwed that game up. I really did. Couple of things because I know everybody else is watching the other the uh, what was it a little game called Alabama on that at that time I think I believe <laughs> oh, was um, that Auburn Georgia oh maybe it was Auburn Georgia yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. anyway I, I was one of the few people around here watching the Iowa game instead but um, I'll tell you this first of all Minnesota the Gophers are better than I thought they were for sure mm-hmm. but I also again say you know good teams don't lose those games. And yeah. that just proves that Minnesota is not, good just enough. not quite good. good enough. They're yeah. good, but they're not. And, and it, let's be honest, it doesn't really matter because they they are whoever it is in the West is going to lose to Ohio State. Yeah, you so think so? N- we all know that's going to happen. Yeah. That's going to happen. It's it's just it's just going to happen unless <laughs> unless Penn State somehow manages to beat Ohio State, which is not going to happen. Well, and before we get on to uh, to the NFL, let, yeah. me, let me give some props to Kristen Welsh, linebacker yes. from Iowa, who's yes. from my hometown of Iowa, Scandinavia, Wait, Wisconsin. I actually took a picture dude, of that. Yeah, dude. That dude, guy's dude a, a player. Sack, dude had a sack and 11 total tackles. I said, Stuart, rewind that. Rewind. Yeah. So we rewound yeah. it, and I took a picture of it. I forgot to send first, it to you. The that first guy, guy to ever play in an uh, FBS school for love football. It. I love really? it. Yeah. He yeah. and then that guy. I mean, and you're like, just you getting shown up all over the place. What the heck? Heck? I was trying to give him some props. Now you're gonna say I suck. Fine. Wow. What's up, John? I'm just gonna see you now. Man. Talk to Williams. me. I know, man. I, I, know. State, I know. Now this guy. No, he's good, man. I mean, he is good. On. And you yeah. want to talk about tough and like the kind of guy in the oh, locker room that, that brings that. everybody wow. else. I know He was begging to play when he shouldn't have been playing. I mean, not not saying this game, but I mean in other games where they're like, no, man, go 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 take a rest. You can't get in this game. I mean. He's that guy. He's that guy. He's the guy. He's like Paz. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. He's like Paz. Anyway, so well, good, that's the way Iowa plays. The problem with the yeah. stuff like that, like that's the way the Titans play. But when you need to get 30 points, sometimes that can be a really difficult thing to do when you well, play that style of ball. So that's like a happy medium these days where you need a toughness, but you need a little bit of the finesse stuff that, that gets you fast and explosive plays. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, Look, Iowa, they, you knew they were going to win that game, but they're, you know, they are what they are. So it's okay. Yeah. I'm all right with it. I, I mean, we're we're as Iowa fans, we're all coach. used to it. But yeah. uh, Ferentz is a good coach. Ferentz is a great coach, and you get 
two, three-star guys if you're lucky and you coach them up and you, if you, every once in a while you hit and you get a, you know, you get a great season. Otherwise you get, you know, seven and whatever it is. Seven and three or yeah, seven and four. Yeah. Exactly. And you go to the Outback Bowl 12 out of 14 seasons. <laughs> but you're right. Your Vikings screwed me, by so the way. So the Vikings, man, the Vikings were great. I, I, I was watching, obviously following along because the Jags were on and they, Vikes weren't on at my house. So, uh, following along and I was getting kind of depressed. It was, they're down 20. But, you know, it's funny because I was, I was watching. I'm like, okay. I was watching the Jags and at halftime, they were only down what three, 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 and I and in the, my Vikings I couldn't see them at all, but they were down twenty. But they were down twenty at home against Denver, and I was, I'll be honest with you, I was more confident the Vikings could come back. That's having watched the Jags game and get just gashed, yeah. and have the opportunity of that fumble and not be able to bring in any points yeah. to that. I was like, oh man, that was our chance. So. Yeah, and in the end, it was a great comeback by the Vikes, but they almost gave it back. I know, and I, I kind of had bullets at the very end. I was end. hoping they would lose. You know yeah, why? Why? Well, because I had the Vikings by ten and a half in oh, my pool. Yeah, and I mean, it's the Denver Broncos, man. No, they get behind picked. twenty points. That's yeah. ridiculous. That was a terrible showing. And so, if I'm not going to win, you want to Then I start chaos. rooting against that damn team. Yeah, yeah, no, they enough. screwed me. Yeah, they should have yeah. easily beaten well, the Broncos you, by eleven. You kind of screwed yourself, but yeah. <laughs> let's let's be honest. What happened here? Let's let's not point fingers. Well, you you made the decision. Okay, he, he did. You have to but, win with it. but 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 the Vikings should have won that game by more than ten but, for sure. We're talking about identity, Nobody though. fronts anybody twenty points but, in the NFL. I know. But but here's the point, though, John. We're talking about identity. You know, yeah. about a Zimmer coach team. That's and right. he's always been about defense. Yeah. And I, I went on the show, I think, when we were making our predictions, and I said, I think the Vikings are going to go a long ways because they play solid defense. They have a good offense, and not a lot of teams can say that. The Vikings defense this year, especially their secondary. Not good. Xavier not good. Rhodes, I'm not sure not what happened good. to him, man. Well, he's, but, getting, um, he's getting a little older. I guess. You know, you know? I'm not that old. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you go from the Pro Bowl last year yeah, to now. He it's should be just, a stud, and yeah. he's lost a little bit. So, and especially against the Denver Broncos team that's led by, who's the quarterback Brandon again? Allen. I know. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So, from the, I mean, are you, are you nervous? Good. Oh, that's my question. Sure. Are you nervous? Their secondary, yeah. their secondary has been. Uh, Porous at best, yeah, uh, all season long. Let's sure. be honest. For sure, um, their their strength is their D line. I mean, what what they rely on is rushing that quarterback into making poor decisions. But no, our 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 backside is not good. Um, you know, but luckily our offense bail us out. And that, what, the NFC is good. Doesn't usually happen. We got for the five Bucks. teams in the NFC that have eight wins. Yeah. And as but one more thought, and then we'll get to what's coming up down at CBS 47, Fox 30. But uh, last week was a great week in the NFL. Like, mm-hmm. didn't, remember I came in and I said, I think it might have been the best week in years. I agree. A lot of great games. Well, this last week sucked. <laughs> I agree with that, this too. This last week was awful. <laughs> like, brutal. Yeah. Not good. And included well, a guy. Except for the Vikings game. That was a great, I mean. Uh, that was a good game. I mean, I yeah, know I'm biased, was. but that was a good game yeah, with the it, comeback in the very end. Uh, but you're right. But, I mean, the Houston-Baltimore game didn't live up to it. Blow I mean, the highlight of the whole weekend was a guy throwing his helment and hitting another quarterback in the head uh oh, swing yeah. his helmet i mean yeah it was a bad week as great as a week as two weeks ago You're was right. for the nfl yeah. now with the kaepernick stuff and the miles garrett stuff this was an Everything awful week. counterbalances man yep and I'll, I'll tell you this so this is interesting i looked ahead i was like there's got to be better games coming up next week right well as crappy as the nfl is in the haves and have not department mm-hmm. you know it's there's not there's four games that have teams with winning records against each other Four games wow. out of the whole slate next week, and I think we're done with buys. So yeah. or maybe we're not. not but I feel like the Vikes still no. have a oh, buy. Oh, do they have a buy? So, so the Chargers, yeah, Chargers okay. have a buy as well. So, uh, so what's that, 15 games? Probably 15 games, and there are only four where both teams have a winning record that are playing against each other. Wow. Now, the NFL got a little fortunate. All four of those games are in prime, prime time. time. 
Thursday, I'm counting Colts, the late Texans, Fox game. Thursday counting the late Fox game as yeah. one of them. Yeah. So Thursday night, late game on Fox uh, on Sunday, Sunday night, and then Monday. They're, those are the four. Those are so the four. So they at least put them in the sweet spots and, and got a little fortunate there. But By the way, the, the, the Thanksgiving, did you look at the Thanksgiving Day games? I haven't games? even looked at it. They're not good. I don't. I don't recall any. I, I like it, it. They're not. Well, of course, Detroit's not very good this year. Well, so that's no, already. Not Stafford. You know, and Detroit Dallas was actually playing, not bad until now. Stafford. I forget who there. Dallas is playing, but it's not somebody. I, I don't recall them being oh, very good games. Well, I was the, disappointed. The bottom line is, man, there's so many teams that are not good or yeah. like four and six and below that. This is like the worst year in the NFL in terms of parity I can remember. Oof. Yeah, so Thanksgiving games, we got the Bears taking on the Lions. Don't care. Bills taking on the Cowboys. Yeah, that's really interesting. Bill, that's, actually, that's actually going to be a good game. And then the Saints taking on the Falcons. Yeah, but that's a rematch of that one. Yeah, the Falcons are well, out of it. Well, yeah, but the Falcons, Falcons are looking good now. Falcons they look, look good Falcons now, look yeah. Look yeah. If, I had, the Panthers, if I had to do a last two-week power ranking, I'd put the Falcons <laughs> number one. <laughs> okay, Baltimore No, Baltimore still be number one. They're pretty good. All right, what you got coming up today? All right, we got a bunch of stuff coming up, but what this crazy story at a gas station a woman pumping gas with her with her kid, holding her kid in her arms or whatever, and some guy comes up and starts taking pictures, and then he says something that really freaked her out, and that's when she started videotaping Oof. him. Yeah. So that's great. It's a really bizarre story. I don't want to give too much more away. And frankly, there's a lot more we don't know about it. So that's coming up. And then we have uh, we also spoke to a classmate, you know, Brianna Williams, the mother of Taylor Williams. Yeah. Um, she uh, this classmate. We talked to this classmate. And she had a lot of interesting things to say uh, about uh, Brianna Williams as well. So a couple of, couple of, you know, obviously not so great stories, but yeah. interesting stories. Very interesting stories. But uh, I'm going to mention one more, too. Yeah. I, I just, uh, uh, the heart hurt a little bit this oh, weekend man, for that, that story out of Alachua County. Yeah. And I think the family's from St. Mary's, Georgia. The family's from Georgia. And so, again, uh, we can become very numb to a lot of the stuff that you see go back and forth through the newsroom. And that one still hit. I was still talking. I was telling the kids about it today. And it just, uh, there was so a head-on accident. And the mom and dad died in the car accident. And the little boy. four-year-old boy. And the only survivor is a six-month six little girl. girl. Right? And so I just, I mean, that six-month little girl never really know her parents, her brother. Um, hopefully, should they have great support around the family? I, I don't know the whole situation. Well, but that one hit. Uh, that yeah. one hit. hit kind of harder than some of them hit sometimes. Well, the reality for, of that for for obviously good reasons. Um, yeah, they have the grandparents are, are in the picture, which is a blessing. But um, we we got an executive producer who was good friends with with dad. Yeah. And um, he had a hard time talking about it in our in our afternoon meeting. I would imagine. I mean that that that's how you know this is hit home for. Do we a lot know of how folks. that uh, happened? Was that? Did they know anything? I mean, it was head on. They got head on, and I, my understanding is the car that hit him head on was going the wrong in the wrong. Right. I mean, it wasn't their fault. It wasn't, you know, their, it wasn't fault. their fault. No. And he passed. I mean, the driver just of the think other about car. that. Like, just I mean, yeah. Listen, this has been a rough weekend for 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 some friends of mine, and uh, you just think about how I mean, you know, you're on a. Two lane, four lane road. You're doing everything you can be doing, and in a, in a split second, somebody makes a mistake, and it impacts multiple lives. It is crazy. One of my daughter's teammates uh, was up in Georgia for a wedding, and uh, a chunk of concrete flew through the window and and hit her, and she's now in surgery. Wow. And, wow. Um, you know, I mean, and then a, fr- a dear friend of Burrish and ours, you know, had this crazy thing. Anyway, it's just, it's just. I tell you what, life is precious. It's a gift, and you just, I mean, it's a Monday, and everybody's like, oh, it's Monday, man. Just count your blessings. You got to get up and do whatever it is you're doing today, because yeah. that is a yep. fact. We get to complain about the Jags, and we should look forward to that. 
Hey, man, uh, I mean, it does in, put in some stuff into perspective. Yeah. The, uh, all right, man. Uh, CBS so, hey, 47, Fox note, 30. Talk some more sports and feel good about it. I know, it. And I know. It. Uh, <laughs> CBS 47, Fox 30, 5 o'clock coming up in just a little bit. John Bachman, Tanika Hughes, Mike Borish, 5 until 7 in the early part, 10 until 11.30 in the later shows. And uh, coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll have Jags Report Live from Top Golf on CBS 47. Come on out, by the way. Uh, Chris Conley will join us. So we'll talk about the offense. We'll talk about Nick Foles, all of that. All right, John. All right, guys. Thank uh, you. When we come back, a little more football talk, of course. Uh, what about the Colin Kaepernick situation? You know, your thoughts on that, Austin Lane, and everything that went down this weekend. And then we'll get back to the Jags discussion. Star Star 690, anything you want to talk about, it's on the table. It's next on ESPN 690. Here's how dumb Colin is. He could have signed as a backup. Denver has gone through every single one of their quarterbacks. They're on their fourth string. Brandon Allen, we had him here as a Jaguar. He would be playing right now. Right this moment, he would be the quarterback if he just signed on. Because guess what? Quarterbacks get hurt and backups play football. All right, that was a call left on Star Star 690, our voicemail about Colin Kaepernick this weekend. And I don't know if it's as simple as that, first of all. Team still has to sign him. You know? Yeah. Now... (laughs) That's Rhino Halloran has told us that there was some interest in Denver and did he want too much or wasn't willing to go there and blah, blah, all this stuff. There, there's always those kind of things. There's two sides to it mm-hmm. when it comes to it. But first, the other thing I found about it, it interesting is that he said Colin Kaepernick's dumb. And I'm starting to think he's not at all dumb and not there. Ever. I thought he was dumb, but he might be genius in the way he's handling everything. And it depends what you read. Mm. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, back here, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're going to break from the Jags for just a moment to talk about Colin Kaepernick. And I also think Miles Garrett should write a thank you and buy a Christmas gift to Colin Kaepernick. Or to the NFL who tried to set this whole thing up. I mean, thank <laughs> goodness for Miles Garrett. That story not went away, but it kind of subsided and we're not because talking about it was anymore. all Colin Kaepernick. And, yep. of course, the Tua injury was a big story on yep. Saturday. It's just interesting how the news cycle works sometimes. And uh, Colin Kaepernick kind of really stole the show. From that regard. So I, I've got to be on, completely honest with you. There's two things about this. The Colin Kaepernick story to me is very hard to digest and filter through because if I follow along on social media, I can tell who you voted for. Okay? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm not a big fan of that, and I'm okay with that. You can vote for whoever you want. I, I don't get into the political side of things. I, I don't. I'm not so invested in one side or another. I understand it. Mm. I just don't like when my sports turns into that and I can't filter out what's actually happening. Like the reason I don't really follow the political thing is because I don't know what the truth is because everything is either one side or another. So I don't know where even to get the truth when it comes to politics. So when that infiltrates my sports and I don't know how to feel about a topic that I really don't know even a ton about or maybe there's some nuances to, it's very hard to follow. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is certainly the case. I saw and, things that I read this weekend. They were like, okay, Kaepernick, you're a moron. Why did you do that? Mm-hmm. You had an opportunity. And then I read some other things. I was like, oh, this was such a scam by the NFL. Yeah. This was so. And, and this is the hardest part, Brent, just to cut you up for a second. We have to be political, you know, because this whole thing stemmed from politics. So, like. It's one thing just to wash your hands of it and be like, all right, let's look at it from a non-analytical standpoint of politics. But we can't do that, can we? I mean, we have to tie politics with it, just the way it is. 
Yeah, I get your point. And yeah. I think you're right about it. Mm-hmm. I think you're pro- you are right. I yeah. mean, that's just the way it falls. But that doesn't mean it, it makes it less uh, difficult to actually get to the truth. Correct. And that's my point. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'll read some things that Democrats say and I'll read some things that Republicans say. And I'm like, OK, that makes sense. Yeah. But I really don't know who's spinning it. And most of the time, both are spinning it. Yeah. Right. So, uh, again, we're not going politics here from a no. Kaepernick standpoint. My view on it going into the weekend and coming out of Saturday initially, just to be fully transparent, was, man, you missed an opportunity. Like, I I get there was some stuff going on you didn't like, and probably the NFL was maybe playing you a little bit here and all this stuff, but you missed an opportunity. Sure. And I said this last week when we were talking about it. It is fair to wonder how much he wants to play football. It is fair to wonder how where that passion lies and how much more for his platform and what he stands for in social injustice it does if he never does play football again yeah and i believe that cemented itself a little bit more this weekend that i think he wanted that stage but i also believe that the nfl was trying to scam him and twist this and spin this yeah and so he was probably not wrong for doing that in terms of moving it. It was a savvy move, I think, to get the media there and be transparent mm-hmm. and get people to say, yeah, I can still throw a football. But at the end of the day, he does not want to play football, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He wants to stand on this platform and use the platform for, for what he believes in. And that's OK. But I don't believe he wants to play football. And I think he utilized this platform for one more opportunity to do so. And the big reason I say that, Austin, is because why wouldn't he have done a workout like this on his own any time in the last two and a half years? Why did he have to wait for the NFL if he was going to go to a school by itself and and have cameras and have all the people there? He could have called that a year ago, two years ago. Mm -hmm. But this all kind of helped set up the whole spin cycle from the NFL to, to his camp. Um, but I do think he was smart probably in moving it because I think it would have made him look bad if he had actually stuck to the NFL plan. Yeah. Um, this is going to well, spill into the next break. Okay, good. We can, so we can wait. I, I'm not going to get started here. But, um, but yeah, that's this, my this, take. Let's get no, Austin's absolutely. on the and, other and this side. This is a hard topic because I'll be honest, man, Like especially where I was raised and everything, I see on Facebook, I see on social media, people – are sticking strong on their stances. And what, what, I'll, what I'll say the their next political break, stances. Yeah, they're the political stances. And what I have to say the next break here, whatever we come back in, it might offend a couple people. But I'm just speaking from what I know about the NFL and what I know about Colin Kaepernick. All just right. We're going to hear it. It's yeah. coming up next on ESPN 690, plus some more Jags talk on the way here on a Monday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We all knew going into this that the interview was going to be the key. What he said was going to be the key. And there you have it. You still come out there in front of the cameras. You give your I dream, uh, I, I have a dream speech in front of a bunch of folks loving on you. You don't take any questions from the media, even though you insisted that they be there. It makes no sense. As far as I'm concerned, it made him look worse, not better. And it completely flew in the face of all those folks out there who have been trying to support him. Well, that's Stephen A. Smith this morning on ESPN 690 on Golik and Wingo. Of course, Stephen A. Smith comes on before our show as well, so I'm sure he talked a little bit more about it uh, this afternoon. But that one was on Golik and Wingo this morning, ESPN 690. Uh, you can listen to it every morning, 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. And that's the Colin Kaepernick situation. Let's stay on this for a moment, then we'll get back to the Jags. It's been an emotional, miserable Monday when it comes to the Jags, and I'm not done with them, quite frankly. But <laughs> I'm not either. I just talked about, uh, just to sum up, if you're just catching up to us, I just talked about the Kaepernick situation. And 
and I, I read a really good article this morning on it or this afternoon on it uh, from Bill Roden, William Roden, and I think he writes for Undefeated or – but he, his basic principle was everybody won. Everybody mm-hmm. won because the NFL made this uh, impact, made this reach, this olive branch to say, hey, we want you to try to come back, even though it might have been a scam at the same time. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick realized it was probably a scam, and he doesn't really want to play football anyway in the grand scheme of things, but it was, he was able to use the platform again mm-hmm. and to say what he wanted to say. And if you really want to play, would you really kind of flip off your bosses and, and all the owners and Roger Goodell and say, stop running from us? I mean, it, it, again, they don't have to allow God, you to I play. I I could do that. I mean, they don't have to allow you to be stop on their running. team, right? Yeah. I mean, they're the owners. They they make the calls. I mean, whether you like it or not, they, it, they still are, have the ability. So I thought he brought up some really good points, and I guess that's kind of how I feel about it. I felt like Going into the weekend, hey, at least he's getting a chance. Even if the lines and the rules aren't really where you want, if you really want back in, at least you're getting a chance to be in front of somebody and somebody can make a decision and say, hey, you know what? He's still got it. Yeah. I like him. We're yeah. going to sign him. It still is about winning games in the NFL. And somebody just takes one person to do that. Yeah. And coming out of it, I do really think Roden was right. I don't think he does want to play. I think it's the platform. And you know what? I think history will speak highly of Colin Kaepernick, at least from his role in this. If he doesn't play, I think if he does come back, he tarnishes that a little bit, whether that's right or wrong. Who knows? If you're passionate, go play. Who cares about that? Go, go play. But if you're more passionate about the, 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 the platform, the social injustice, the issues that yeah. you're battling for, well, then you know what? I think he just, he just locked in that he's probably not going to play again in the NFL and he will stand a bigger symbol yeah. of this whole last couple of years. By not playing again in the NFL, because for years and decades and and whatever, we can always debate that, well, he should have gone back in or Mm -hmm. he got blackballed and he wasn't going back. You know, all those things. Everybody will disagree. One, it's a political topic. Correct. Two, it it can be seen even as a racial topic. Mm -hmm. And three, it just might be that kind of topic. And you can exclude those things. So anyway, that was my thoughts. What about you? So first of all, I guess here's where I mean, because I got to kind of preface this by saying, where, where do I stand with Colin Kaepernick? You know, and listen. If you're on Facebook, Twitter, or whatever social media platform, and you feel the need to post something, because a lot of people do, and you, you want to question Colin Kaepernick as a man, his character, call him a slew of just, you know, just horrible language, which I saw wholeheartedly whole this, this past weekend uh, from some friends. I'm not going to call anybody out, obviously, but just from people that I even grew up with. You know, people feel the need to rip on the guy. And that's your, that's your opinion. That's your entitlement. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. But I'm just saying... I've seen Colin Kaepernick do more for a community with his time, whether it's helping the homeless, helping, you know, inner city youth, um, teaching kids, you know, how to, you know, just things of that nature. He's using his time. Now, those people that he's trying to make the world a better place, basically. Those people that are calling him all these names and everything, saying he's a dumbass, are those people online sacrificing their time to try to make the world a better place? Probably not. Or I'm sure a few are. So take the football out of it real quick. And it, if you want to make fun of Kaepernick, it's your opinion to do so. But what I see from Kaepernick is a guy that's not just donating all his Nike money to these programs or after school and, yeah, he's trying to make himself look good. No, I'm seeing a guy that's actually using his time, spending his time and effort to try to make a change. So from that perspective, I got nothing but respect for the dude, okay? Now let's bring him back into football real quick. So take does Colin Kaepernick want to play out of this real quick? Let's see how this whole thing started. It started with the NFL announcing that they're going to give Kaepernick an open workout three days. 
Colin Kaepernick had three days in advance. Now, people want to get all over that. Well, only three days. No, that's how the NFL works. I mean, I got a call from the Oakland Raiders said I had two days to go to Oak, to fly to Oakland from Jacksonville, do a workout, and then see if I make the team. It didn't work out for me, unfortunately, but that's how the NFL works. So to say, like, the NFL was, you know, against Colin Kaepernick because they only gave him three days and they try to stack the deck against him, maybe, but at the end of the day, three days is enough time. Okay, if you're Colin Kaepernick and you're working out like you're supposed to be doing, you're throwing footballs three days, more than enough time. So I have no problem with that instance. The problem that I have, though, with the NFL setting this whole thing up is that the NFL try to turn it into a circus and say, yeah, there's some teams that actually have some interest in Colin Kaepernick. You know, let's get him in this open workout and this, this environment and maybe a team would sign him. That was the, the message that the NFL was trying to display. The NFL is absolutely full of you-know-what if you think I'm going to buy that for a second. All right? I've been around the game for too long. Anybody that even follows the NFL knows this is BS. Why? Because the NFL is one of the most cutthroat businesses in the world. And if you're a cutthroat business and you care about winning, why would you go with 31 other scouts or 31 other coaches or whoever it is, go watch a guy throw a football and all of a sudden be like, you know what? This guy's still got it. Let's try to get him on our team. But you know what? Oh, that's right. There's 31 other teams that are interested in him. No. If you're truly interested in Colin Kaepernick, you would have scheduled a private workout far in advance. So first of all, the fact that the NFL set this whole thing up and try to label it as teams are interested in Colin Kaepernick. Let's get this open workout here and see how it goes. BS. That's absolutely not what happened. The NFL is either doing one of two things. Number one, you're trying to cover your ass because, let's be honest, it's bad publicity when you have Kaepernick coming out and saying, give me a chance, give me a chance. And the public, or at least half of the public, is online saying, why doesn't Kaepernick get a chance? All these backup quarterbacks are struggling right now. Where's Kaepernick? Where's Kaepernick? So this was either A, the NFL trying to cover their ass on that standpoint, or B, the NFL trying to cover their ass in the standpoint where if you're Colin Kaepernick, why wouldn't you go back to your lawyers and say, maybe there's some collusion again? Because if, if you want to justify the fact that he's not playing in the league right now, and I get it, maybe he didn't have the best numbers you know, towards the end of his career, but there's a lot of quarterbacks right now, Brent, I'll be honest, take the politics aside from it, I would put Colin Ka- Kaepernick over a lot of backup quarterbacks right now in the NFL. I'd at least give him a chance yeah, exactly. from a football standpoint. I watched Mitchell Trubisky play last yeah. night. So from that perspective, the fact that no team even provided him a private workout. No team even wanted to get an edge in the fact that, you know what, if this guy can still play, I want him on our team. Zero private workouts. Open workout. Circus. Okay. So now let's fast forward. That gets announced. Now it's like, is the media going to be there? Is the media not going to be there? Well, initially, media wasn't going to be there. Okay. I can kind of get that. But to me, that kind of raises a little red flag, right? Because even if you're doing an open workout for a college athlete, who's there, Brent? The media, right? So now we have the NFL trying to control the narrative where they're trying to supposedly do an open workout for Colin Kaepernick because, and I quote, teams are interested in Colin Kaepernick, but the media can't come. Okay, I have an issue with that, but let's fast forward. So then what does Colin Kaepernick do? He creates a circus of his own. How does Colin Kaepernick counter the NFL circus? He controls the narrative. He says, hey, I appreciate it, but you know what? Let's do things my way. Let's do things where I go to Atlanta, the media can come, the media can see how I can throw, and I'll do things my way. The NFL got wind of that and said, nah, nah, we, we don't like that. So did you really want Colin Kaepernick uh, as a backup quarterback, or was just the fact that you were trying to save face a little bit? Because to me, it tells me that you're trying to save face a little bit, because 
when Colin Kaepernick tried to counter your chaos with his chaos, you said, well, no, Kaepernick's not going to run the show. Oh, really? Antonio Brown ran the show. Antonio Brown's been running the show for the past year and a half. And now he's not playing anymore. We'll see what happens there. If Antonio Brown gets another shot this year, I'm sorry, I'm kicking the cameras. I'm getting excited. If Antonio Brown gets another chance this year, dude, he's absolutely running the show. So from Colin Kaepernick's perspective, from what I saw, Brent, I thought he did okay. You know, I thought he was throwing some good balls. I saw some of the videos. Looked like an NFL quarterback. And there's even a scout or an NFL executive, whoever it was, that was reported saying, and my sources are Ian Rappaport, who's a pretty reliable source. <laughs> last time I checked, right? Even they said that he still has his big-time arm. He still looks good. Cool. Okay. So some teams sat out of that. Some teams went to go watch Colin Kaepernick throw. And then what happens after that? Colin Kaepernick gets in front of the media, right? And delivers this eloquent speech, right? Like almost like it was kind of pre-planned a little bit. And I get that standpoint because I'm sure it almost was, right? And it was almost a, a middle finger to the NFL and challenging ownership, challenging the shield in general. So, yes, that that was the plan all along. But my point is the fact that you have to blame both sides here. Don't just blame Colin Kaepernick because he wanted to do his own thing. Don't just buy into the NFL where they said, yeah, we had teams that were interested in him, but he, he blew his opportunity. Jay-Z came out of nowhere, man. Like, I get it. Jay-Z's working for the NFL now. And, and, and I love Jay-Z. Dude, like, I mean, I, I grew up on Jay-Z. But to hear Jay-Z come out and said Colin Kaepernick blew his opportunity, no. If he had an opportunity, he would have had a private workout. Colin Kaepernick didn't blow anything. If anything, this helped Colin Kaepernick now, because guess what, Brent? We're talking about it again. So for from athletes, if you don't agree with Kaepernick, or celebrities, or even talking heads on ESPN, I, I'm sorry that you don't agree with Colin Kaepernick. You think he blew an opportunity. But to understand and think there's an opportunity in the first place, you're kidding yourselves. You're absolutely naive to yourselves because there was never an opportunity, and Colin Kaepernick just took his circus and he countered with the NFL circus. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, too. Uh, I do think he did punch his ticket, though, to say, I don't I know I'm not getting back in the NFL. Sure. And it's OK. Yeah, I'm not getting back in the NFL. Agree on that. Yeah. And and again, I, I think that will be bigger and better for Kaepernick in terms of him, his image, his his legacy, if you will, than anything he could have done in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree or not, that's the bottom line. In yeah. fact, if you don't agree, it might tick you off. Mm-hmm. But. That is way it's going to go because he's never playing again in the NFL. And he basically kind of wrote that chapter this week uh, by, by getting – again, my, my thing was I, I came out of it saying, well, what I just saw could have easily have happened any time in the last two and a half years. And one thing that when we've talked about Kaepernick, I've said, it's like, why isn't he talking? Why mm-hmm. isn't he sitting down and saying, man, I want to get back in? Yes, I want all this stuff to also be relevant, and, and, and I want it to be talked about and – but I want to play football. I love football. Yeah. You never heard of from in the last two and a half years other than Nike ads. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the I guess the criticism of him from a using the football front is that anything that came out football related seemed dollar related as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. in terms of and, and listen, that's capitalism at its best. That's using the platform, and that's okay. But what I'm saying is, from a football standpoint, it's pretty crystal clear he doesn't need back in, doesn't want back in, and now won't be back in the NFL. And we can all interpret it however we want to interpret it. After that, uh, I it, it was it was such a crazy sideshow. My thoughts were: this is a no, this is an NFL that's a billion dollar company mm-hmm. that puts on a Super Bowl every year. That has billions of people watching, 
thousands of people working, attending the, the, the stuff that goes into Super Bowl plans. And we can't organize a workout for a player the right way. Yeah. So that showed you that it was a charade. It felt a little bit kind of like the whole thing felt like a WWE skit. Yeah, it's a good, it, it's a good it, way to look it, at it. It really felt like, you know, you're talking about this this figure, mm-hmm. this organization, and we're going to pit each other against, and this is going to be the next chapter of the skit. It, it felt more like that than I've ever experienced with the NFL. Like, I've never really felt like that because this we've never seen this kind of attention, mm-hmm. these kind of press releases, these kind of setups. For one individual player. I mean, I don't remember something like this for another player. So it's so unique that it did to me feel like a little bit of a wrestling script for the NFL. And and, and here's the dumb thing on the NFL's part. And listen, I I don't mean to be critical of the NFL, but I'm going to call it like I see it right now. You know, I mean, I I played for the Shield. I have respect for the Shield. But let's call this like it was. The NFL wants Colin Kaepernick to go away. That's that's as simple as that. The NFL does not want to hear about Colin Kaepernick. They would rather just wash their hands of it and say, all right, man, uh, we gave you a shot. Goodbye. And that was the plan all along. The NFL set up this, you know, this workout, as I put it in quotes, to say, you know what? We gave Kaepernick a chance. Um, sorry, the media wasn't there, but take our word for it. He didn't do that good, and no one wants to bring him on. And that was the narrative. What the NFL did not anticipate is to, for Kaepernick to counter that and say, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, you think I forgot what happened to me? No, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here for the long run. And guess what? I have half the nation that's going to stand behind me, too. So the NFL, in terms of trying to make something go away, you just made it ten times worse, well, as far as I'm concerned. You did, and you but, did. But then you also it, made it better for Kaepernick as well. Well, the, the rest is now up to Kaepernick because he's not going to get the NFL help. The yeah. platform's now gone, right? And so I don't think he'll have the platform. I mean, other guys may talk about but, him, yeah. but I think he's now going to – it's not like he's getting another workout in a couple of years. He's no. going to now have to use that microphone more than he's ever used it to kind of keep this relevant, but, but, in my opinion. But here's the point, though. Yeah, I mean, maybe his microphone's taken away, but other people out there, they still have a voice as well. And especially in the age that we live in now, whenever a starting quarterback goes down or whenever a backup quarterback comes in and they struggle or if a starting quarterback struggles, what's one of the first things you're going to say? Uh, we should bring in Kaepernick. We should bring in Kaepernick. So while Kaepernick may be silenced, the people that believe in him, the people that follow him, I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch because yeah. he is 32. Yeah. And people will view this, I mean, from Stephen A. to others about this was at least some kind of opportunity. Even if it was a scam, sure. fake, phony, whatever opportunity, you still had the chance to blow the doors off off this workout yeah. and say, dang it, I got to win. My job's on the line. Yeah. You know, And somebody could trump that. Somebody could could at least go outside the box of whatever everybody thinks this was a fabricated deal. So uh, the one other thing I will say about the workout in general is I don't think we should overplay the workout. He could throw the football. Correct. I don't know what else I learned watching the – he threw a big yeah. ball. He throws like he threw it a good far. Point. He has yeah. arm strength. Yeah. That's never been an issue for him. It's though, never you know? been an issue, and I think there are a lot of people that can do that. doesn't mean you can play in the NFL. Yeah. You know, now again, I mean, he still has that. Mm-hmm. He's in good shape. All those things check the box. I'm just telling you from from what I saw of that video, and, and scouts will see a lot more probably mm-hmm. from a mechanical situation. But I just said I didn't. I was like, oh my gosh, you got to get him on my team right now. Well, and yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, no, absolutely. And and let's be honest, Brent. And, and here's the brutal truth: whether you you agree with my thoughts about Kaepernick or not, but the NFL is your talent can disrupt a lot of things if you're talented enough. You can have a 
you know, you, you can basically kick a woman in the back and still get another chance at, at a job. If you're talented enough, you could have a bunch of drug possessions, gun possessions, whatever it is, get arrested, get thrown in jail, spend some time there, and you get another shot. There's always another shot if you're talented enough. And right now, unfortunately for Colin Kaepernick, the question is, yes, he took a knee, he caused this giant distraction, and teams aren't going to want to bring that on, whether it's right or wrong, because why? Maybe they don't think he's talented enough. And, and that's what it comes down to. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, do I see a team bringing him on? Absolutely not. But if you wanted to, the perfect fit for Colin Kaepernick, Brent, and this is a team that's interested in him before, I can see next season the Baltimore Ravens, man. Yeah. Because I feel like they have the locker room for it. His old offensive coordinators in Baltimore mm-hmm. right now. And I'm not going to say Lamar Jackson's going to get hurt. Not kind of what, because, I mean, no team can afford that. The NFL can't afford Lamar Jackson to get hurt. But if he was to, I mean, who, whose game right now is comparable, I would think, to Lamar Jackson? And that's Colin Kaepernick. Well, here's the deal. Uh, you just, you, it's interesting you went there because I said, could any, you have to have the talent level to be able to, you know, knock out some of these other things. Yeah. What if Lamar Jackson did it? Would somebody give him a chance tomorrow? Yeah. The next month? Is mm-hmm. he talented enough? Has he proven enough to say, I don't care what he's doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Along the lines of, of you just said. So yeah. uh, I don't think Kaepernick's going anywhere. I actually had thought the last year, year and a half, this thing had died down a little bit to mm-hmm. begin with. It's now back at least for a weekend. What's yeah. the staying power of it? Will he just kind of fade into the background? Continue his work yeah. and, and continue the discussion. Listen. The one, the one thing you can agree, disagree, all those things. Discussion's never a bad thing, never. and so I think in that regard, Colin Kaepernick has won. I know the NFL doesn't like it, yeah. but he's won because people talk about it, and I think now people will talk less about him as a quarterback, but will they talk more about what he's trying to get a- across? And at yeah. the end of the day, I know he's done some things to prove those actions. Mm-hmm. Now he has to do even more because now he's made his bed in that situation. Mm-hmm. He's now an advocate. He's not a quarterback. He's now an advocate that used to be a quarterback and wants to utilize the platform. And so now what does he do with the platform? Can he change some things? And that's also up to other people to help change along with Kaepernick. Yeah, and and say what you want about, you know, you can call it a circus, a spectacle from from Colin Kaepernick and his camp. At the end of the day, I see a guy that's trying to make the world a better place. And and I see a guy that's spending his time and effort to try to do that in person, not just throwing money at it. He's actually spending his time. And if we got more people like that, man, I think the world's a better place. So more power to Colin Kaepernick. When we come back, we get back to the Jaguars. They need some special powers right now. Where did it all go wrong Sunday? What's next? And will we see any changes before the end of the year if it continues on this trajectory? That's reality in the NFL. That's reality in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's reality in the city of Jacksonville. That's coming up next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Two bad losses, you know. um, I'm not worried about... You know, the, the team, I, you know, I told myself, I'm not worried. You'll get a lot of questions about where you are and all that stuff. And I'm really not. And, you know, what I'm, what I'm really focused on is, you know, how do I get this team to perform better on Sunday? That's what's, that's what's, that's what's getting me. Because obviously I'm responsible for that and I'm, I'm not getting that right now. Yeah, Doug, I'm not getting it either, man. Um, just a, just a rough showing, abysmal showing. We've, we've been over a little bit on the show, but. Not a good look for the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Indianapolis coach, uh, Colts. Um, a lot of it falls on the coaching, falls on the players. But uh, listen, man, it's like I was talking about. I remember being a player, whether it was on the Lions, whether it was on the Jaguars or Jack Del Rio. I mean, uh, uh, eventually, and I don't care if it's out of character or not, well, then you hire the guys that are in character. But sometimes you have to light a fire within your team. 
you know, and I still have yet to see a sideline that has taken responsibility, a sideline that has been chewed out for their play. Uh, maybe that's why I'm not going to be a defensive line coach. Maybe that's why I'm not going to cut out to be a coach, especially with the new generation of football player now, because if my team's given up 200 yards, giving up 100 yards rushing to Colts, to two Colts running backs, I'm saying every single name in the book. Now, I'm not attacking players, and I'm not trying to embarrass players, but I have to drive home the point, the fact that this kind of play right here, this kind of behavior, it's not going to stand. It's not Jacksonville Jaguars football. And I haven't seen the fire. I haven't seen the passion on the sidelines. And to me, yes, the players need to be held accountable. Captains need to step up and try to you know, show the fire, light that fire. But if you're not seeing that fire... Then it happens on the coaches. And, and maybe I'm just not seeing it. Maybe the cameras aren't showing it. I've, I haven't seen a lot of games on the sidelines. Maybe I just haven't seen it in person. But all I know is that when a, te- when a coach is laying into his team, whether it's a head coach, a coordinator, or a position coach, the cameras seem to find those moments. And I haven't seen a lot of those moments right now. So with that being said, uh, if you're a Jaguars fan, I'm sure you could probably use a shot right now. Uh if you're an NFL fan in general, you probably need a shot right now. Whether you're winning or losing, it's always a good time for a shot or at least a little of that Vida de Louis. Tip your star tenders. Hey, Vita DeLoy recently got a 98 rating. I like that Jags defense got a 98 rating. Nah. Actually. Locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita DeLoy tequila. One of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Think about a gift for the holidays. Ah, Vita DeLoy tequila might be a good gift, an easy gift. VitaDeLoy.com is the place to go for all merchandise with Vita DeLoy. Three flavors now. Blanco, Reposado, and Añejo. Go visit VitaDeLuis.com. All right. Uh, you thought I went away for a long time. I was just talking to Nick. I didn't realize the commercial wasn't a little bit longer. <sighs> oh, I guess yeah. I was in there for a while. You're all good. I was going, I was going on a rant. Did you do okay? I did all right. Just talking about you know the, the, the lack of passion on the sidelines, the lack of fire, because... And I didn't get into it too much, but like, you know, I, I remember this, this incident really sticks out in my mind is when you were a part of it, Brent. It was when we were playing in Houston. So it was the 2010 year and we had a chance to beat Indianapolis in, in Indy to go to the playoffs. We lose to them. And then the next week, uh, which was the last week of the season, we had to beat Houston. And I think Tennessee had to beat Indianapolis. And if that all shook out, I think we would have been playoff eligible. And I remember it being almost before halftime. Tennessee was doing their job and beating Indianapolis, and we couldn't stop the run. And I'll never forget, Jack Dorito comes to the sidelines right before the half and just, he lays into us. And he goes, I'm not going to say exactly what he said, but basically said, you guys are screwing your opportunity away. Um, and then I said that nicely. Okay. He, he lit a fire underneath us. Now we ended up losing that game and the Colts ended up winning. So it didn't really matter in the end, but I'm saying, 
there, I, I can count on countless times where if someone's not performing, whether it's on offense, defense, or even special teams, guys get chewed out on the sidelines. You know, and, and I remember a couple times playing for the Lions, man, when Schwartz had come. Because, you know, and here's, here's the, is the big issue, Brent. It's like when you compare Doug Marone to other NFL coaches, you know, like, for instance, Doug Peterson, he's an offensive-minded guy. Yeah. Sean McVay, offensive-minded guy. Um, Give me a good defensive-minded guy. Uh, I'd probably say Jim Jim Harbaugh. Is it a defensive-minded guy? John. Oh, I'm sorry, John Harbaugh. Is it a I defensive? He, no, well, he's a special teams guy of, by yeah. trade. Okay. Pete P- Carroll. Pete Carroll. Okay. He's a defensive-minded guy. Or at least, I mean, that's what his backbone is. Doug Marone, like, I get it. Doug Marone's a former offensive player, right? And you would think, well, he's an offensive-minded guy. But to me, like, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but he's more of just, like, the overseer, right? Like, I don't know how much input he has into the game plans on offense. Obviously, he doesn't have much on the defense. But from that perspective, maybe it's not his place to yell at his players. Maybe it's not his place to be like, you guys got to block better up front. But then that's what your coordinator is supposed to do. You know, like it, it all trickles down. Where if Doug Marone is in the face in the offensive meetings where he's going through the game plan, okay, that's fine. Then if you're John DiFilippo, if you're Todd Wash, then you got to do it. Or have your assistants do it. My point that I'm trying to reiterate is the fact that I just I haven't seen the fire on the sidelines. Yeah, and I wonder, too, a little bit of that, I think, take shape because you're not entrenched like Harbaugh, mm. like Belichick, like Carroll, yeah. like those things. You know, I, I gave you like a stat earlier, like the most consecutive winning season. Somebody, t- I think Field Yates or somebody tweeted out. Yeah. And if you look at it, it's like the Steelers, the Chiefs, the uh, Seattle, mm-hmm. obviously New England. And those, ha- what, what's the consistency there? Andy Reid ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Mike Tomlin well, has been there forever. And, and John be, Harbaugh, Seattle, yeah. those play, those guys are entrenched. They've gone through the bad times and said, we're still sticking through you. Yeah. With you. With you. Th- this regime goes in saying, hey, we got to do whatever we can if it's appeasing the players because they're going to affect our job. We can't stick to the backbone of what we believe in all the time because, well, it either hasn't worked or if it doesn't work, then we're out the door. So that forces you to change. And when you start changing, you become inconsistent and you don't always even believe in it. And so do I think there's a little bit of that? Yeah. Do I think Doug Marone two years ago or maybe even last year coming off an AFC championship game when he felt, all right, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Right. Do I think he would have laid into some guys a little bit? Maybe. I also am. It's not fair to say they haven't laid into people because you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. For sure. Uh, It's like uh, the thing I hate about kind of social media and watching games together and all this stuff and talking about the Jags is people will question effort and fire and all those things. Well, one of the great traits that athletes have is the ability to stay even keel too. Of course. I know that doesn't register with fans, but one of their great traits to be able to bounce back, to not get caught up in this web that we're caught up right now on a miserable Monday and that think the Jags now are going to lose the last six games of the year is to be able to bounce back and stay even keel. Play next and play. So yeah. I you know you have to be able to forget quickly that 24-hour rules a real thing for players. Um and so that doesn't necessarily equate to fire, yelling at each other, all well, those things. You know what I mean? And I get that. And what's going on behind closed doors? I, I guarantee guys are going to yell that, Brent, because it's the NFL. If you're not doing yeah. your job, you're getting yelled at. So I get your point of saying, yes, I'm sure maybe at halftime 
maybe when they come into the meetings, you know, on Monday or Wednesday, whenever it's going to be, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be some yelling behind closed doors, not in front of the media, and I get that. But my point is when you're taking on the Colts and you're just physically getting outmanned on every single position, name your spot on defense, and you're just getting outmanned. You're, you're getting pushed back. You're not doing your job. And it happens over and over and over again. And you come to the sidelines and maybe you sit down on the bench and, yeah, oh, man, this game sucks. Like, I want to go home. Like, this is and – and I've been there, man. I've been there so many times where it's just like nothing's working. You're getting dominated. You're getting embarrassed on national television. I've absolutely been there. But when that happens then, someone's got to – and I'm not saying it's got to be a coach. I was going to say, is it usually a player I'm or a coach? I'm not saying it's got to be a coach. Then, 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 it's a, then it's a player. But but right now, Brent, and with all due respect to the captains, I I don't see a lot of that. Well, that and, speaks to what I was talking to earlier. Not that Ramsey would go yell that, yeah. but Ramsey would be so pissed off that it would be noticed. Yeah. You know but, what I mean? Exactly. And, and I'm not saying that sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Yeah. But I don't know who's stepping up and saying that now. You know, I mean, there used to be this like uh, subconscious about a Puzlesny. Yeah. He wasn't very vocal, yeah. but you didn't want to disappointment disappoint him because you knew he always did things right. Yeah. As a teammate. Exactly. Again, I don't know who that is now in the team. I don't – I mean, Calais, I think, is a leader. But even Calais, I, I don't know if it's now because you've heard the voice so much mm-hmm. that does it does it have as much value. Yeah. Or if he was having a tough game, which it looked like he was, he was, can you say it if you're having a tough game? Foles, can he be that guy? He can kind of preach on and, and encourage. Yeah. But this team doesn't even know him as a leader right now on the field on Sundays. They've played a quarter in – and a game with them, and that's it. And that's where the chain of command comes from, Brent, where if you can't get that out of your players, then as a coach, you have to forge that out of your players. Yeah. And, and then you have to either, A, chew them out to the point where someone gets pissed off enough where it's like, you know what, I'm going to step up, I'm taking control of this team, or you just keep on, just keep on yelling at them. You know? And I never want to have the narrative, and, I, and I'm never going to say, as long as I'm on the radio, that the Jaguars just quit. All right. Uh, I, I hate saying, yeah, the players are on the field and they just quit. Yeah, it's a, you know, people love that go to. I don't a, go there. Yeah. And I, I don't I, believe well, it. Spoiler alert. I will never go there because I've been on the field when things weren't going well. But I guarantee you guys aren't in the huddle saying, dude, let's just let's just quit. Let's just keep getting our butts kicked on national television and let's just quit. What let's I, just not give it a full effort. What I think of when people say they quit is the lack of focus. Okay. If you quit on lack of focus, that's different than quitting on lack of effort. And when you quit on lack of focus, you can be screwed and look really bad. Sure. And so yesterday, I think there was a lack of focus. Now, did they quit and it got to that point? Did they already not have it? Was there a little bit of a, more of a lackadaisical approach than there should have been? All those, did they not like the game plan? Did, once the game plan didn't work, did they throw their arms up in the air? Mm-hmm. From a focus standpoint, maybe it was. That doesn't necessarily equate to effort all the time. We got Saqib on the line uh, before we get to a break. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for jumping in. Hey, guys. How are you? Well, it'd been better. I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna disagree with you guys. Shah Khan called kind of fans out a couple of weeks ago in London, right? I would say call out, but you know, he made an effort and said we should show up today. We've been showing up to the Jaguars. I've been going to the Jaguars game since 1999. Okay, how about not? How about having coaches that know how to coach? This team is like nine and nineteen since the AFC Championship game. The same team that we have has allowed five hundred yards rushing almost in two games. And by the way, an AFC South game, the Houston game, and this game yesterday, they they are embarrassing. Okay, how about hire good coaches who are going to coach these guys? Because 
this is pitiful, and we're going to lose the Tennessee game. I want us to beat the Tennessee so we can sweep them, but we're not going to beat them because we can't stop a nosebleed. We are horrible, and I just want this to be a clean state fire dog Marone. I am on that track. I want him fired in the year. Please, I'm begging shotgun, fire him. Thank you, guys. That's yeah. the game. A lot well, of passion in that phone yeah. call right there. And first of all, he said he disagrees with us. I didn't. I, I mean, I think a lot of things that he echoed, I've said the whole show. So, like, as far as disagreeing with me, I I think we're on the same team here. Yeah, it'll be interesting well, to see where this goes. You, you have one last gasp right yeah. now if you're Doug Marone and this football team. Yeah. You, you know, you have to show something. Because yeah. right now what he said, what Saqib just said is the reality is 500 rushing yards in two weeks in games that you had to win. Yeah. And you have been blown out. And you have shown that you're not a good football team. And this is the time you need to show that you are a good football team. Yeah. And, well, I, I, and <laughs> this is a huge, huge – for Doug Marone's sake, I don't think the Jags are going anywhere. But for Doug Marone's sake, these next few weeks are massive. And, you know, pr- from the fans' perspective, like he brought up, I mean, let's say the Jaguars, they, they, they falter again in Tennessee. What is that Buccaneers-Jaguars game going to look like Ooh, then? Oh, boy. You know? Well, especially and, if they look like they score 10 points again. No. Because if they can't score, the Bucks can score. No, absolutely. So – yeah, think about that, too, a little bit. I mean, man. I watched the Cincinnati team almost beat Oakland in Oakland with a great atmosphere. Yeah. And the Jags got blown out by the Colts, who hadn't blown anybody out. Yeah. That's a bad look. Here's, here's what I want to talk about quick, Brent, after the break, a little preview. Coming back during the break, how many games do the Jaguars have to win? Remain on the schedule to save the front office and the coaching staff. We'll hit that and a couple other things before we go on ESPN 690 next. If you remember me, if you see my picture in the hall, whatever it is. Don't think of the guy who was a good defensive end who had, you know, whatever quarterback sacks. Think of me as the guy who got offered by Murray State when nobody else gave him a chance. Think of the guy who Murray State kind of took a blind shot in the dark at, and I, and I did the same back. And think of the guy who worked hard every single day, whether it's in the classroom, on the field, to try to make that right with Murray State and say, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. So with that being said, go Racers. You all have a good night. Nice. Yeah, baby. That was the induction speech. Yeah. May have fabricated a little bit by working as hard as I could in the classroom, but it is what it is. Spoiler alert for all those people out there. Never schedule a three-hour math class once a week during Monday Night Football. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but congratulations, man. How was it? It was awesome. It was fun, man. Yeah, the speech came out okay. Um, ended up kind of writing it on my cell phone as they were like announcing our names. So like during the banquet, I kind of jotted down some notes and then went up there and said my piece. So yeah, it was a good time. Cause I just was thinking, why didn't we carry that speech live? We should have taken it oh, live. Wow. Like, take it live during our Action Sports Chats Game of the Week oh, on ESPN 690 during halftime. We could have just brought it up. Craziest thing I saw though the entire week at Murray, John Morant. So John, so John, you saw him. Yes. So and I was gonna take a picture, but I didn't want to be a creeper. Ah, oh, you but, should take it. But get this, though, dude. So John Morant must have played Thursday. Or no, I'm sorry, he played Friday evening in from Memphis. It's about like a two and a half hour drive to Murray. So Saturday night we're at the basketball game getting announced. John Morant, dude, you want to know how big time John Morant is? He's got like his own section of lazy boy chairs nice. for him and like his older like the teammates that graduated, and they sit in these lazy boy chairs like above everybody, like elevated. And here during I am during the game, like during they do the this game. a lot, I guess. Mm. And, and here I am, like a bum, sitting in the steel, you know, concrete, <laughs> like you know, like some cretin, while John Morant's rocking his. Uh, 
pink polo, you know, his pink his pink hoodie with his pink sweatpants, and then rocking some a pair of Jordan Elevens. Very clean, by the way. Very Basketball clean. money, man. But dude, he was like <laughs> NBA money is sick. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, should I go down there? I'm like, nah, I'm good. And he had just hit the game winner too. Remember I know. He was balling. Oh I, yeah. What I don't understand here, man. You listen. You're one of the famous alums from from yeah. Murray State. Yeah. John Morant obviously is a bigger profile guy. Yeah. yeah. How do you not know each other? Like, how? What are they doing at Maurice State? Brent, I mean, how do we not marry this together? How has he not been on Brent, that show? You know why? Because there's so much talent in Murray State where it's hard to get to everybody, man. It's hard to meet all well, those people because it's just oozing talent. Uh, like the twelve thousand student, at, or I'm sorry, the twelve thousand students there. Like eighty percent of them are going to do something real big in this world. This That's is all I'm saying. I'd like to play another clip. I signed my scholarship to Murray State without ever visiting the place. Real story. I thought Murray State was in New York. It turns out it's in Kentucky. Yeah. And the best part about that whole speech was, so my speech was like 10 minutes long. Uh, the guy that was in charge of it, Dave Winder, said that it had to be between three and five minutes. In which case, I said, well, it took me about 10 years to graduate, so I'm taking my time on that. I'm taking my time One on my speech. One minute per year. Yeah. One minute per year, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank that you, is man. pretty cool. Appreciate it. So now, Coos, just the two of us, man. Oh, just Coos is going to do something. Coos, you have any shot at a Hall of Fame? We'll see. Flyler might hit me up. Radio Hall of Fame. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Is there a plagiarism Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah. We can get in on that. Hall of Shame, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, no. I've been there way too many times. For sure. It's called detention. Well, I guess yeah. if we can get this show creeping up a little bit more, more sponsorship dollars, I will donate more money either to the high school yeah. or the and uh, or the college, Ashland University, and buy my way into all of okay. them. Well, if you got to do that, so be it. And if you do that and the, the show creeps up, then you get a tattoo. So I will also contribute to doing that because I want to see Brent get a you tattoo. Missed, yeah. You missed what I told Austin earlier today. I said, I don't think uh, North Penn High School is going to bring me in for my very short ultimate Frisbee career. But, uh, like... The 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 high schools are dumb. I don't think they're going to do that either. By the way, did they really have a, a sport yeah, ultimate yeah. frisbee? Yeah, it was the first year, so I technically set the record for like touchdowns. <laughs> the fact that he's trying to justify ultimate frisbee right now on our show, but pretty offended. High school don't offended reach out to you enough though. Like you know, like yeah. college calls me like three. They'll call me in the middle of the show and ask me for money. Yeah, they will. Yeah, I don't even know how to get my number sometimes. The high school doesn't call. It's interesting. Really? Yeah, like, yeah, but I say that around here sometimes. Did you go to private school though or public? No. Public? I look like a private school. Are you judging those people? No, you're, you're, you're public <laughs> I'm school a public guy, school right? guy, okay. man. Who's your public school guy? Yeah, right? public. It's like mm-hmm. private's bad or anything. I know, but yeah. I kind of took it a, that way. So you're taking it, out, and you know what? And that's kind of what I was insinuating too. There we go. Hey, listen, at least we're all being honest here. No, hey, I've, I've said it for a long time. I uh, there was that stigma that where I grew up. Where oh, the public schools hey. wanted to beat the private schools, man. Who are you telling, Brett? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so, I think we're from the same area. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, one other thought. Just to so pass along, I tweeted this today. But we did thank you for uh, listening and watching on all the video streams, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. We started this thing January 14th, and actually no, Friday was November 15th. So really about 10 months. Yep. We hit a million views. I have absolutely no idea what that actually means. But I got to brag about it a little bit to the rest of the station. I think it's Hell a good yeah. sign. Nice, so. even number, man. I like that million. Yeah, and it's counting. Keep counting. Them. Yep. So we appreciate you watching the video feeds and listening to the show on all the different platforms. Uh, and we're having some fun with it. So we'll continue to do it. And the lights are still on. It's still works. still on. Still having we're fun. We're emotional today. One last thing. Yeah. How many games does Doug Marone have to win, you asked, to keep his job, do you think? I'll be honest, man. I think if you don't go at least... 
500. I think you have to go over 500 now, the way the season's gone. You have to go over 500 because you could blame it on the quarterback, but guess what? The quarterback's not the problem right now. Five and one? That would get him the nine and seven. Five and one. You have to go five and one to save your job. Mm. Good luck. What do you got? I'm going to say if they were to close out four and two okay. after losing your quarterback for eight weeks and the Ramsey stuff. So you go 500? I'm sorry, people, but I think he would keep it if he went 500. But take aside the quarterback stuff because the quarterback hasn't been an issue I know, this team, but it still has to, it's something you have to deal with as a head coach in a football it's not team. not the issue. Uh, hey, uh, Jags Report Live tonight, 7 o'clock on CBS 47. See you at Topgolf. Chris Conley will be there. We'll see you on TV anyway. Thanks for listening, everybody. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.